Um, yeah, I mean, even my super Peter couldn't, uh, <laughs> pull, pull out the win, uh, on that one. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Let me timestamp that. It's <laughs> a show title right there. <laughs> Hello and welcome to episode 40 of the RF Generation Playcast. I'm Ghost 81 and here is our discussion of our game for July 2017. In this episode, Rich and I will be joined once again by the legendary Duke Togo as we dive back into the Shining Force series with the classic strategy role-playing game Shining Force 2 for the Sega Genesis. Does the second main entry in this series surpass the original or suffer from a bad case of the sophomore jinx? Stay tuned to find out. Please remember to subscribe to us on YouTube, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Twitter. You can listen to the show on iTunes and Podbean. As always, don't forget to log on to rfgeneration.com to join our playthroughs and discuss the awesome games we play together. Thank you as always for listening, and now, on with the Playcast. To the RF Generation Collect. Oh, uh, the RF Generation Playcast. Well, that doesn't sound right. Hey, there's Krabby <laughs> and Bill. <laughs> Hi, guys. Rich? What's up? <laughs> I, Hello. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm lost at this point in time. This is where the Destiny talk usually cuts out. Uh, I think in. this is where I'm supposed to take over. And welcome to the show. If you don't know who our guest is, it's Duke from the Collector Cast. Thanks for joining us, Duke. Oh, you'll regret that quickly, but go for it. <laughs> <laughs> and we're also here with our old pal, Sean, to talk about a little Shining Force 2 tonight. This is episode 40. Can you believe it's been 40 episodes, Sean? I cannot. I mean, we talk about it a lot, but those old episodes with Parasite Eve and Fragile Dreams, and now we're here talking about Shining Force 2. Played all these games I've never thought I'd play, and 
we've had the show going for this long. It's it's crazy, but it's awesome. Yeah. And in honor of our 40th episode, we're playing uh, Edward 40 Hands. We've all have uh, 40 <laughs> ounces taped to our hands, and we'll be drinking the entire show and listening Man, to Easy E. <laughs> I don't even drink Coke. <laughs> we've gone over that. We've gone over that. Yeah. Oh, so... We all had a very interesting morning at around 10 o'clock today, did we not? Oh, Lord. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I I had a more interesting morning than you did. Both of you did, actually, and uh, I appreciate my buddy Sean here saving my butt. I guess I probably lost him some money in the deal, <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> oh, if, no way. Uh, if uh, no one knows what we're talking about, we're talking about the release of Limited Run's Night Trap for the uh, PS4, and they also re-released it for PC. Some of us were winners today, and one of us, <laughs> yours truly, was a loser. Man, those things, 5,000 copies sold out in less than two minutes. That's insane. I warned you. Don't forget, there's two waves. So, however many of the 5,000 sold out when we were trying to get them. And then they do another run at... 5 p.m. or 6 p.m. or whatever it is. So, uh, why is that? I mean, can you explain to me why that is? Why they do a second run? Uh, to just give people a chance, I think. If you're not able to be on a computer at 10 a.m., you know what I mean. Like, what if what if you're at work or, or I was at work sleeping. I so was I. But I mean, like, <laughs> people, get your priorities straight, that, man. That that luxury, you know what I mean. I that that's they've stated that that's why they do that. There's people so, that live on the other side everybody. of the planet. You know what I mean? Right, so, right. Whatever, man. You got a cell phone. Just fake a dump and, uh, <laughs> you know. <laughs> we got to explain. Like, the limited run games, we've talked about them before. They're they're starting to get out of hand, man. Bad. They're blowing up. And, I mean, if you want to... If you want some good reading material, go on Limited Run Games Facebook right now and read the salty-ass comments from the losers who couldn't get this game today. Oh, Twitter is just as bad. Oh, you should have been around for the Twitter comments for Wonder Boy last week when, like, literally, like, oh. 10 seconds after it went on sale, it was gone. Yeah. So that was crazy because that was the first time that, like, some weird stuff, I don't want to say shady, but some odd things were going on with the launch oh, when, yeah. on the website when it happened. Mm -hmm. And uh, I didn't even realize there was that much of a backlash then but i was kind of looking for it this time uh luckily i got wonder boy as well and i was able <laughs> to get a uh, night trap today for me and rich but here's the thing i gotta i gotta just throw out there i find that everybody uh, like mo most of the people who were complaining tried to get the thing on a phone and using paypal and every single limited run i've, I've never missed one i've never had one sell out underneath me I've gotten every game I've tried to get, and I've gotten every one on a computer using my credit card. So I don't know if, if that gives me some kind of advantage where I'm not like launching out of Chrome to go to PayPal on a phone and back, and that wastes time or crisscrosses yeah. signals or whatever. I just go in. I'm already logged in. It's got my address in there. Pop in my credit card number, and boom, I'm done. So I don't I don't mm. know that I don't know if that gives me some kind of advantage over people using PayPal, but well I I pay with PayPal, but I just what I do is I'm already logged into PayPal in one tab, and then I'm just logged yep. into Limited Run mm -hmm. in the other tab. So I just I was today I just order and pay, and like as fast as I can click <clears> through the checkout, I'm done. Are you using a PC or on your phone? Uh, I'm, I was on my PC today. I'm on a on a Mac. 
but yes. Okay. Well, I mean, same. Yeah. Oh, he's on a Mac. <laughs> well, I mean, as opposed to a phone. So, right. okay. I mean, maybe that's, that's, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I just, I've never had a knock on wood. I haven't had trouble, but today made me kind of think this game was the game out of all the limited run games that have come out so far. This is the one I've wanted the most. Like I'm intrigued mm-hmm. by it. It's a fascinating piece of history. I, I'm excited to take a look at the remaster. And I'm hoping Limited Run Games never puts out a game that I really, really want, like, ever again. <laughs> because yeah. if I'm on the losing end of this and it's some, I don't know, I can't even think, like, I don't know, Persona 3 secret spinoff game or something that I really want. I would lose my mind like some of these people are on Facebook. So I can definitely, uh, you know, sympathize with them. Yeah, I was I'm lucky. I've already got Wonder Boy for Master System. So that one, I didn't really care a whole lot. Yeah. yeah um, same here. And there's two that are still in the upcoming list that I really want to get. And uh, so I'm going to watch out for those. And the other one I really wanted was Darius. And I got a copy of that one. So, but, oh, man. I mean, they're... PR, the way of responding to their customers is, is not very good. <laughs> their their yeah. response is basically like, screw you if you don't get lucky. I mean, that's yeah. essentially it. Yeah. Like, we just don't care. That's the way it is. Bye. Yeah, and a little bit of it's not our fault. It's Shopify. Yeah, and you it's know, like, well, the, then the... get a new shopping cart system. I mean, that's right. not an excuse at all, right? Now I'm curious, other than, uh, besides I know Salt and Sanctuary you guys are waiting for, what's the other game you're looking at, uh, Duke? I want Cosmic Star Heroin when that comes out. Okay, what is that? What is that? I haven't yeah. heard of that. That is a new uh, RPG. It's already out, but of course, like most of these. And it is in the style of like Fantasy Star, and it's made by the same people that did like um, Breath of Death 7... Um, if you know that, uh, Z-Boyd Games, uh, they've done a few smaller like indie RPG releases. And this is kind of like they're really, I mean, as far as indie goes, big RPG release. So it's kind of a nice 2D JRPG throwback game. So I'm really looking forward to that one. Sounds cool. Yeah, it's yeah, definitely man. like they, again, like your Cosmic Star heroines, kind of like, you know, Fantasy Star with Alice. And well, you guys played that one, so you know. Yeah, I didn't play it. Oh, but... well. Well, it's a great game, you and the first Fantasy Star is awesome. I believe you. <laughs> don't, <laughs> it's a little don't, grindy. Don't sound so excited. <laughs> Calm down. <laughs> uh, well, speaking of excited, let's move on to something else new that's come out recently. How about the new N64 controller? Oh, uh, yeah, wait, 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 wait. What? Wait, wait. That's not out. Yeah. Well, no. All right. We'll clarify. Well, it's funded. That. No. But first, funded. I wanted to clarify that I'm the only one who's excited about this. So let's not. <laughs> okay. I'll also say, wait a minute. It's yeah. not that I'm not excited about it. It's talk about how it's coming about. So if you haven't heard, it's a big news in retro gaming. Uh, the company Retro Fighters is putting out a modern n64 controller so it's styled like uh, an xbox one controller an xbox 360 controller and they're doing it via kickstarter so of course kickstarter is the kiss of death for a lot of people they want nothing to do with it and that's fine i've never kickstarted anything this will be the first thing i ever contribute to as a donor or whatever you want to call it uh but i'm in for this thing i 
I've wanted one of those Hori uh, N64 controllers. They're so hard to find and expensive that, you know, this seems like a good alternative to me. And uh, this company has made, they've shipped product before. They have all kinds of uh, peripherals out there. So seems like a company with a track record. So I'm going to put in for at least one. I'm thinking about two. Let me ask you a question. What is it about the N64 controller or what games are you wanting to play with that specifically? I mean, is there anything that that controller is going to aid with? No, I think, well, I mean, in specific, anything that uses the C-stick for an actual camera would be nice Mm. to have in closer reach. Also, just the stick itself, the analog stick, as ahead of its time as it was, they're kind of nasty and... Uh, I heard the word soggy used for, to describe the analog <laughs> sticks for the first time. And I thought, wow, that's the perfect adjective for, a, you know, an old stick on an N64 controller. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, just to have the feel of a modern analog stick in place of that old hard plastic skinny, you know, with the dead spots and everything. So, I mean, even the analog on the Vectrex is better than the N64, which is kind of... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Well, so Duke, you 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 seem to be pretty nonplussed by this whole thing. Is it the design itself, or that you don't feel it's necessary, or you're just like an anti Kickstarter type of person? Well, I here's my thing. Number one, looking at this on Kickstarter, they have like one picture of a mock-up. They have no pictures of this proposed prototype that they have being used at all. It's like here's mm-hmm. a picture of it in a dude's hand. It's just a mock-up. Yeah. It's $20. Do you know what kind of quality you can expect if they can churn this thing out for 20 bucks? To me, the, the stars are not lining up. Something doesn't smell right. I read the text, and I'm like, it doesn't even feel like it's written very well. Like, they're supposed to say, like, what the potential problems are. They're just kind of like, none. We're going to make this thing. <laughs> it just really, hmm, it doesn't inspire confidence. Yeah, but on the other hand, I mean, just playing devil's advocate here, I have no interest in the controller. I'm, I just don't like the N64. Yeah, that's, well. that's my entire reason. But it's 20 bucks. I mean, isn't it worth it? Like, if there's something you're interested in, I mean, it, 20 bucks is, you know, I, I know it's a significant amount to some people, but, you know, I don't want to belittle that. But isn't it kind of like a drop in the bucket to take a chance to get something that, you know, may be pretty good, you know, for what you want? Well, let me ask you this yeah. question. What? quality would you expect from a $20 Xbox 360 controller? Eh. <laughs> I don't know. I think that's different. There's technology involved in an Xbox 360 uh, controller that won't necessarily need to be in a wired N64 yeah, controller. I, that's true. And the other thing, too, I got to reiterate, from what I can tell, I'm not an expert on these guys. I just discovered them a couple days ago when this came up, but this doesn't seem like a fly-by-night company. If you want to, you can go watch reviews of their previous products. They made a controller for the NES that is very similar to this one, and you can watch reviews of it. Um, they exist. They're out there. So it's not like some imaginary thing that they just have a mock-up of. They they have shipped product in the past. So I just, you know, I kind of wonder about what you're going to get for 20 bucks well i'll let you know and that's why you know i was talking to (laughs) i was talking to metal fro i think he was really excited about this and i was like you know here's the way i look at it if you guys throw it on the kickstarter and you get this thing in a year and a half or whenever and you go this is awesome i can just buy one yeah hope i mean yeah hopefully and i don't have to give them 20 dollars for like a year and a half and hope right 
I mean, at this point, yeah, because it's funded by a hundred miles, you know what I mean? They're, they're way, way over their goal already. So you're yeah. probably right about that. So yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know if you've convinced me to not kickstart it still. But. <laughs> no, I don't think that's, I mean, here's the way I've been looking at kickstarters because I've, I have, I've put in for several of them. Yeah. If, so have I. if it's a project that I think will not come about if I don't do it. Okay. You got me. Otherwise I don't mm. see any upside to giving you money in advance. I just don't. Well, I'm going to think about it. I mean, my intention is to do it next week after the next time I get paid. But, um, you know, you raise some interesting points. I mean, I even like Bloodstained, right? I mean, a game which I am dying to play. Uh, and right. Krabby and a bunch of other guys threw in on that. I didn't because I'm like, it's funded. Yeah, dude. I didn't either. Just, I'll just buy it. Out, right. <laughs> you know, it's, I, I don't need to give them money for three years. I could just wait and buy it. Yeah. But I did fund Friday the 13th. You got to play that, man. Uh, yeah, I know. I do. I mean, I've I've watched my friends play it, and I'm like, why is Rich not playing this game? <laughs> because Rich's PS4 is still not hooked. <laughs> you still oh, it? You gotta be kidding <laughs> me, what? man. <laughs> no, I'm not kidding. Oh, dude. <sighs> I've had no time. What? I don't no have time. no time. No time. I, no time. Liar. I'm playing these playthrough <laughs> games, and I've been on vacation for a week. I mean. I, Shining Force 2, I played it on my Nomad. Uh, you know, okay. I had to, like, result to taking it with me, playing it on the road to finish it. I'll give you, I'll give you that. <clears throat> You've been gone. It's ridiculous, though. I agree. I mean, you, you guys. <laughs> it's, it's two chords, have a, It's two chords. You, you, I know. You have every right to shame me. So, <laughs> but, uh, so, you didn't have time to hook up your PS4, but when did you find the time to watch the entire, and it's huge, it's long, lengthy, the... Castlevania series on Netflix. Uh-oh. <laughs> it's lengthy. <laughs> lengthy. Of course, I'm being facetious. It's about the length of a feature movie, but yeah, we wanted to talk about that. You could have watched so, it on your PS4. True. I, I watched it on my PS3. Does that count? <laughs> <laughs> so what did you guys think about Castlevania on Netflix? Other than four episodes was not enough. I'll, I'll make this really short and sweet. I haven't watched it yet. Really? Oh, I thought you dude, did. Man, you guys... What the hell? Have you ever, ever listened to our old shows? I don't watch much TV. Yeah, it, but it's right in your wheelhouse, man. I, it's I, Castlevania I 3. It. I will watch it. But I'm not, oh, you know, gosh. TV, movies. It's not a big thing for me. Oh, man. But this is video game related. I will, yeah, I will different. watch it. I will. Just, you know. Oh. It's not a priority. All right, well, all right, Sean. You and I can talk about this. What, what do you think about it? Did you enjoy wow. it? I did, but it's hard for me to have like a, a strong opinion on it as someone who mm-hmm. I don't, I mean, I have a general nostalgia for Castlevania stuff like, right. from just growing up, but I was, I'm, okay. I was never like a super fan of it. And then I'm also a big fan of anime, like, mm. like real anime. This is an American production. So I almost felt like, you know, watching an American production with American voice acting was kind of like... Uh, this isn't real anime, you know, like I had this like grudge against it in the back of my mind. Having said that, I thought the first episode was really good. The mm-hmm. The middle episodes weren't that great. And the last episode could have been a really good setup for hopefully what's what's mm-hmm. going to come. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd say for what it was, it's a good effort, a good start. 
It's a good setup. Uh, the foul language kind of knocked me back a little bit. I mean, it was oh, okay. sort of vulgar, not just like foul, but like sexual and vulgar. Um, that, that yeah, was just kind of odd. Like bestiality jokes in the one episode. <laughs> oh, that yeah. Like, why? Yeah. Why? <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, that threw me off at first, but it was like kind of only, it, it was, it was sort of appropriate for the situation and where it was. And then after that, it tapered off. Right. Yeah. So yeah. it didn't bother me as much as it did initially, you know, as I watched all four episodes, but definitely one you can't watch around the kids. Um, I like where it's going. You know, it's got some Castlevania three and some Symphony of the Night lore. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's really cool. Um, and, uh, I love how they're introducing the characters and I can't wait for more to come out. I'm again disappointed in, you know, only four episodes, but I guess they're just kind of testing the waters. But it's Castlevania, man. Why are you just testing the waters? I mean, people love Castlevania. Does Dracula say, What is a man? <laughs> he no, hasn't I yet. Wish. That may come. <laughs> yeah, I spent 10 minutes explaining what Bishonen was to my wife, so that was fun. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> She's asked me to grow up my hair. That's it. <laughs> Uh, but I, I did want to mention to Sean, while I was on vacation, I did two things. One was play a lot of Shining Force 2. I played it on the way down, played it every time my kid would take a nap. I played it, um, you know, at night uh, to catch up. But then also uh, I started reading and actually finished recently uh, Gateway by Frederick Pohl. Awesome. That was a book you had recommended, and uh, I really enjoyed it. I just wanted to mention it. We won't go into it or anything, but... Uh, Possibly uh, you and I could talk about it on another show so that uh, our guest doesn't fall asleep. Yeah, man. No, I'm glad you checked it out. I appreciate it's cool when you give a recommendation and somebody follows up on it. So I appreciate that. And uh, makes me want to read the book again myself because I, I remember like really adoring it at the time. Yeah, so. it's really neat. I like how the chapters are sort of alternating, you know, present day and past. And you're kind of you put the story together as you go through the book until you get to the end to find out, uh, you know, who this person really is, which is really neat. So, yeah, again, really enjoyed that. Yeah. Uh, Fre Frederick Pohl is a really great author in general. He's written a whole bunch of other good books that I've read, but that's generally regarded as his best. So Yeah, I'll have to definitely check that out for sure and see if there's anything else uh, you know i might be interested in reading while we're on it i just wanted to mention that recently i was a guest on uh, retro fandango a uh, show by one of our former guests on the show buried on mars and uh his buddy ramvox or richard and uh i was on episode 60 i apologize but i cannot tell you the name of the episode because we don't use such language on our show <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I had a great time with those guys and their uh, listeners to the show, and I really appreciate them letting me be on their show. They're a blast. Uh, I refer to them as the Stadler and Waldorf of the Cartridge Club uh, because they're like two old curmudgeonly men sitting up in the balcony uh, just laying waste to stuff. And uh, as, uh, Sean, I think you mentioned, you really uh, love the uh, SNES classic rant. Oh, yeah. Kevin and you, uh, you were speaking my mind. I was cheering you on in my headphones, just like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. Duke, do you have any uh, interest in the uh, SNES Classic? I will buy one if it's easy enough to buy. Um, mm -hmm. You know, 
I have a the NES Classic because I didn't have to pay through the nose for it. <laughs> I just bought one. Sure. Um, yeah. So yeah, if it's you know I'm but I'm not doing the scalping, eBay, fight through crowds, yeah. wait at five o'clock in the morning. I'm not doing any of that. No, I yeah. I have I just have real games. It's okay. Yeah. Right, there you go. My coworker came up to me and uh, he got one around Christmas time, and he said, "Yeah, sold it. Sold my uh, NES Classic the other day." And I was like, oh, really? I was like, uh, we should let me know, you know, that you were selling it. <laughs> and uh, he said, yeah, man, I got $170 out of it, uh-huh. like used. And I was like, uh, yeah, I wouldn't have paid that for it at all. So, yeah, yeah, no. But <laughs> I'd have been like, yeah. I'd give you 40 bucks for it, you know, just, just to have it, you know. But I've never taken yeah, mine out no. of the box. Um, yeah. yeah. Just a collector's item, right? It just looked cool. So... Yeah, you know, and it was not expensive, so cool. There's no way I would pay what people pay on eBay for them. There's no way. I played my friends. It's okay. Yeah. Well, all right, just to kind of sum it up, if you get a chance, listen to episode 60, Retro Fandango. Uh, we have a nice little discussion of the movie Crawl. Crawl is as well. so awesome. Oh, man, that's awesome. Except for the end. Yeah, I, <laughs> except for the end. Yeah. Love yeah, that's true. conquers evil. But other than that, well, everything is pretty yeah. cool. Evil winning's always better. No, I just but, he uh, has the most awesome weapon in the world, the glaive. No, no. No, it's the fire from our love will kill evil. Spoilers. <laughs> yeah, well that's true. And and that is one of the disappointing things about the movies. He like as a kid I thought like he used it all the time, but like going back and watching it as an adult, he like uses the thing one time. Yeah, it was pretty cool though, wasn't it? Oh, the, yeah, you so always cool. like as a kid you're like I won't the, you know, you make like your own. It's like, "Oh, I got the glaive." Yeah. Have you ever seen Kroll, Sean? As a kid, yeah. I mean, I, I it's been a very, very long time, but I probably remember... Y'all talked about it on the show. There was an Atari game about it, right? Yeah, I, there I was. I remember yeah. playing that probably more than I remember the movie itself. But The movie was kind of like pretty graphic for a kid back at the time, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, it's pretty scary too. I mean, there's some creepy parts. Oh yeah, like where the dude, where like the blind guy, whatever, is really like the yeah. bad evil guy, and like the claws or whatever is coming out. Yeah, you're like oh no, creepy, he's man. gonna get him. And the giant spider, you know, the slayers. Oh yeah, that was really cool. That was an awesome movie. I love it. I- I'm glad we've got someone on the show that, uh, we're two people on the show that actually can appreciate it. I got a lot of crap for it. How come they don't know, make uh, movies like that anymore? I don't know. There's not like a lot of high fantasy unless it's like Lord of the Rings or something anymore. Yeah. Nobody's ripping off Star Wars anymore. Oh, it's kind of sad. Gosh, please. No, Star Wars is ripping <laughs> off Star Wars now. That's the problem. So speaking of Retro Fandango, we have a question from Mr. Buried on Mars. And he wants to know, Duke, what is up with the Collector Cast? What is up with the Collector Cast? It's a, it's a, it's a good question. Ah, uh, is this the part where I'm supposed to explain everything? Oh, yeah. No, okay. Absolutely. All right, fine. We're putting you on the spot, man. Um, I don't like you people anymore, so I decided to stop the show. <laughs> okay. Wow. <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. Uh, That's deep. No, uh, basically, you know, um, for those that don't know, I'm sure everybody, where a lot of these people have listened to our show before. Mm-hmm. Um, I am... I won't get too far into it because I mean, if you're really bored and you want to ask me sometime, you can you can on Twitter or whatever. Uh, I am a liver transplant recipient. Um, I also have Crohn's disease, and you know, the short version of that. It's also led me to have um, a total colectomy at one point in my life, 
And so health issues sometimes can be a drag. And um, they have been acting up on me a little bit. And uh, as Rich can no doubt share with you how much work it is to edit a show and get a show out. Uh, it's been yeah. tough because Krabby, you know, he's got a job and he's got um, two jobs. Yeah, and a store and he's got a new mm-hmm. kiddo. And, you know, Bill's got a couple kids and he has Destiny. Um, so, so <laughs> and he's got a job and he's open running right, Retro, Retro World Expo. World Expo. So, yeah. I'm, I'm joking. So um, that's been it kind of really is just um, yeah. this time. And the desire is still there. I think if I uh, – what I, I love doing this stuff, if – if I could get it done without, I, but there's just, I wasn't the only one that could do the editing and that's just mm-hmm. kind of where it's at. So I was like, Hey, yeah. if you really want to edit a podcast, let me know. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I had to address this question on the episode of Retro Fandango I was on. And, and like I told them and I assured them, you know, when a show stops, everyone automatically assumes that there's some rift no between everyone. And I was like, no, nah, guys, we all communicate every day we have an app and we we all talk every day oh, yeah you know we're, we're all really good friends still yeah and krabby's um, coming out to my house in october we're going to take another big road trip and we're going out to see and we're bill. going to stay with bill and we're hanging out with bill so <laughs> yeah. no absolutely not i mean gosh we're still thick as thieves yeah. it's just um it's health and i'm not you know 20 yeah. and i'm not i'm not as healthy as i could be so yeah you're old as hell thanks that's true i appreciate that <laughs> <laughs> My body already lets me know that. You don't really have to remind me. Uh, but I do want to say this. Um, if you're on the fence about considering as to whether to be an organ donor or not, please check that box. Put that on your driver's license if you're not, because, you know, you could help save someone's life. Absolutely. Chris, you've been the beneficiary of that, correct? Yeah. Yeah, that's it. I had a liver transplant in 2009. Um, I would certainly have been dead um, uh, in 2009 if it wasn't for that. And I mean, I don't know anything about my donor uh, other than I'm extremely grateful um, yep. for the the decision that they made. I'm sure it saved my life and and many others. You're surprised at how many people can be helped just from one organ donor. It's pretty astounding. So yeah, I would just encourage you. You know, if if you're at least on the fence, just do some research. You know, if you're yeah, there you just, go. Just uh, you know, I understand some people and some people have beliefs that say, hey, I can't do this, and I respect that completely. But if you don't. Um, if you're like me and you think you're just going to end up rotten in a box somewhere, why not let somebody else have your parts? <laughs> yeah. I don't believe in anything. I don't, I don't even believe in carpet. So. <laughs> well, you know, I don't have any in my house either, so I'm right there with you. But that's it. No, do I still play? Gosh, do we still play games? Yeah. I'm still sort of looking forward to seeing everybody, and we're going to hang out. And please, if you can, come out to Retro World Expo in October. I would love to high five and say, hey, and Krabby and Bill will all be there. Uh, you can come buy some stuff off of me. That'll make me feel better. Does he still bug the piss out of everyone about Dark Souls? Yes. <laughs> That's the running. Yeah. No. I, yeah. One of these days, you guys right. are going to do that, or, and I'm going to, I'll cheer. I, I doubt it. If I'm ever okay. on my deathbed, you, I'm, you think so? Just to piss you guys off, I'm going to make that like my make a wish. <laughs> <laughs> I think I tried one of those games once. And I was just like, oh, okay, this is it. I get it. I'm Not to say I get it. I don't get it, quote unquote. But it's like, oh, okay, I get it. It's really hard. No thanks. It's not that <laughs> hard. It gets its reputation from, I think, people that... The filthy baby casuals No, like no, I think that's it. Like, the very, like, 
early on, the game puts you in a place, and the great thing about the game is it says, hey, go anywhere you want. Good luck. And a lot of people, oh, they go the wrong way into these horrible <laughs> things. Like You're that. talking about Dark Souls. <laughs> That's it. I'm dropping it right there. I'm just saying, there's some nasties right at the front. If you go the wrong way, they kill you really quick. Here's the trick. Don't go the way of the hard things. Yeah. Okay. Well, I can completely change the subject because I forgot to put something in the notes that almost can transition from Retro World Expo. I went to my first ever video game convention a couple weeks ago. Wow. And it was very All fun. All right. Yeah. What was that? It was the Classic Game Fest here in Austin. And man, I got to tell you, just one of the beautiful things about living here and living where I live is the convention center is like a five-minute drive from my house. And I just threw on my flip-flops, went to the secret-free parking spot that I know at, <laughs> that I know about at the convention center, and just strolled in and hung out there for a few hours. And it was awesome. Cool. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just a annual gaming convention here in Austin. It's predominantly vendor-based, and they do have like a traveling museum and the local arcade pinballs here. They bring in a bunch of machines, pinball nice. and arcade machines, and set them to free play, and you can just walk around and play them. Uh, as the day goes on, lines start forming behind them, but I got in there early enough that I was just you know, banging around with a couple of games for free. That was cool. And uh, I got to meet... Pat, the NES punk, and Norm, the gaming historian, two guys mm-hmm. who I'm pretty big fans of, so that was really neat. And I also, <laughs> I saw Billy Mitchell as I was walking in the, <laughs> the entrance. He was like working the door, basically, and I, uh, I didn't really feel like acknowledging like I knew who he was so I was just like oh Oh, man good morning like I'm not a fan of of this person you didn't you didn't want to like touch his mane of hair no (laughs) you know I I don't want to be disrespectful and I know he has his fans I know he's kind of like a villain figure to some people and I hear he's really actually very nice yes I've heard from a lot of people he's a really good guy so that's the thing like the problem for me is, like, I don't have that kind of reverence for the whole Twin Galaxies thing. Walter Day was there, too. I saw him walking around. Nice guy. Um, yeah, but it's just, like, they're, like, characters to me in a, some kind of, I don't know, let's say there was, like, a some kind of isolated music scene that you knew nothing about, and there was some legendary band in it, and you met them, and you would be like, oh, okay, that's that's that band I heard of. But I don't know anything. Like I don't have any reverence for him. I don't have any feelings for him. Like it's mm. it's hard to explain. And it's just like, oh, okay, cool. That's Billy Mitchell. And and like that was it. You know what I mean? I don't yeah. know. I don't want to sound like a jerk. It was just that that wasn't a highlight for me. But going around to all the vendors and blowing a bunch of money <laughs> was definitely a highlight for me. Yeah, man. And. uh We'll talk about our scores, but I mean, two things I got there that I've been looking for for a long time. One was the uh, Wii Classic Controller, the Pro model. Oh, nice. Which is basically, uh, you know, it's the Wii Classic Controller that was designed to play virtual console games. For me, I emulate on the Wii, so it's a perfect controller. And they they made this like Pro model that's more ergonomically uh, shaped like a, a more modern controller and it's friggin awesome i've been looking for one forever and i found one at a booth there 
And then another thing is the local game chain here, Game Over Video Games, they had two huge uh, full square booths. And one of them was $1 games. Every game in there was $1. And it was just bins and bins and bins. I spent so much time digging through the crap (laughs) in those bins. I didn't find any like treasure per se. I thought it would be funny if they slipped like a Suikoden 2 in one of those sleeves just to see if somebody would find it. But uh, no, nothing nothing like that, at least for me. Um, How many Mary-Kate and Ashley games did you have to sift through? I actually didn't <laughs> see, you know, there was, as you can imagine, there was tons of connected ventures and there was tons of Guitar Hero games, but there weren't as many sports. I, I, when I first saw it, I was like, oh, okay, uh, a thousand copies of Madden 09 here. But uh, it wasn't that bad. I, I saw a few interesting things. I grabbed a few. Uh, uh, Sean's more of a Hillary Duff guy. Anyway. You know, it's true. As you, as you uh, would be. I mean, <laughs> those, those two girls look strung out now. I mean, you know. <laughs> well, yeah. No, nah, man. I can't even remember what I got, but they were super common things like Splinter Cell games or Ghost Recon games. But just like, oh, I don't have this. I'll grab it for a dollar. Those kind of games. Nothing else like just a nice case for a buck. Yeah, that that's true too. I was thinking that a couple times, <laughs> like uh, for like those original Xbox cases that are getting harder and harder to find. The original slime green yeah but yeah so i just wanted to mention that i've never been to a video game convention before i've been to comic conventions and anime conventions but this is my first video game one and uh Hmm. had a heck of a time it was it was pretty awesome cool that's great man i'm glad to hear that you know it's it's funny I've, i've never been to another convention besides retro world expo and I'm kind of spoiled. I loved it because one of the things I like best is they have a lot of vendors. And I've heard like with a lot of conventions, um, especially what's the big one up in D.C. that they do Mag every Fest. Magfest. I hear I hear with Magfest, they just don't have a lot of vendors from people that I know that have gone. And you know, that's kind of disappointing. It's more of, you know, kind of the experience and stuff. But, you know, if I'm going to a convention, especially if I'm traveling, you know, I'm going to reap the benefit of possibly finding some games. Yeah, the only one, I mean, I've been to quite a few. The only one I would say outside of like Retro World, which has been fantastic, and I would, you know, highly encourage anybody that's listening to go. Yeah, and, yeah we're going to be there. Yeah, I mean, not just because we're going to be there. It's still, it's a lot of fun. And, no, because we're going to be oh, there. Oh, so, well, you know, <laughs> I'm trying to be humble. I mean, you can be whatever you want to be. I, I'm, I'm not going <laughs> to But I would say Classic Gaming Expo out in Vegas on the weird occasions that they have it every few years or whatever, that one's really worth hitting. Because you get a lot of panelists that you just don't get a chance to meet in many other places. Yeah. But other than that, no, I'd say, you know, a lot of these local ones do a pretty good job. I know Midwest Gaming Classic's always a blast. Cool. Well, Sean, since you've already started talking about your pickups, do you want to keep going there? Yeah, sure. I mean, I got to warn you, I have a hell of a list here. And <laughs> uh, I do too, man. I'm going to try to fly. Well, I tried to mine, trim but... mine down. I'm... No, I, I, I did trim mine, mine down. down. Man. Mine, my, I, I got to tell you guys, my gaming collecting habits have like, it's like a pendulum swing, swinging. It's if resurfaced, it, man. I mean, people who listen to the show will know I'll go months without picking up anything and i'll even like sometimes try oh i went to a thrift store and i didn't find anything sorry but since i got the ps4 um and i went on that binge of buying ps4 games my spend thrifty ways and throwing around 
uh, coins like manhole covers has not really <laughs> stopped. So, um, I mean, just in the normal realm of things, I did pick up Gravity Rush 2 because I want to play it very badly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did mention that I got the uh, Wii Classic Controller Pro at the convention, but I also got a Sega Saturn Model 2 controller mm. because I had one that was broken that I wanted to replace. And as many people know, as I can tell <laughs> Duke is familiar, that's one of the greatest controllers ever created. Awesome. So I needed another one. So here's the thing. GameStop.com. I've, I must have spent... I mean, a few hundred dollars at GameStop.com on retro. And Shh, you're not supposed to say that. Your wife I know, might be I know, listening. Man. Oh, my <laughs> wife? I thought maybe the listeners would hear me and, and maybe get, get their pitchforks Yeah, out. for shame. Uh, <laughs> no, so I, I'm actually going to write about this probably in my next blog entry. But, uh, well, first GameStop had a 4 for 10 sale on any game that was four ninety nine or under. So I probably bought 40 or 50 games in that sale. Wow. Um, yeah. I mean, because they have all kinds of games spanning every system, not just the retro stuff. I mean, there were PS3 games, 3DS games. I highlighted some of the ones I got here. I got um, Spectral Force 3 for the Xbox 360, a game I've been looking for forever. And GameStop sells it cheap. I mean, under $4.99, and I finally got it. XCOM, The Bureau Declassified. Resident Evil Operation Raccoon City, which is uh, an awesome game, by the way, if people don't know that or if they heard that it was bad. That's misinformation. It's a really good game. Uh, I got Way of the Samurai 3, The Conduit 2, Cold Mountain for Wii, and a ton of other stuff. I didn't even list it. Um, uh, I got a bunch of 3DS games, Wii games. So... I did find that the games that I was getting came in all kinds of varying conditions and levels of completeness. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think what I'm going to do is end up, you know, writing up not a super detailed like, oh, this game came complete. This game was missing the manual. Like, but I I really want to give people an overall impression because I know a lot of people Mm -hmm. will not order from GameStop.com. And I, I was one of those people and I totally understand that. But I just made the leap of saying, okay, here's a bunch of junk games that I don't care if I get disc only. Let's see what happens. So that's what I did. Um, Then they ended up having on their retro section a buy three, get one free sale, which isn't an amazing sale, but I decided to pull the trigger on some high value N64 games. So I ended up getting uh, Majora's Mask, Ogre Battle 64, Pokemon Stadium 2, and then I got... Metal Gear Solid for the Game Boy Color as my freebie. So that was my first like big order. And then I did another order in that buy three, get one free. For cheaper games, I got Pokemon Stadium 1, uh, Mystic Quest for the Super Nintendo, which is the first Super Nintendo game I've bought in freaking, I don't I can't tell you how many years. <laughs> and then I got uh, Klonoa 2 for the Game Boy Advance. And then um, Final Fantasy adventure is that the one the one that's uh, yeah the good one yeah i finally got that because we've talked about playing that for a playthrough so many times i figured i might as well own a real copy now let me ask a quick question did you check all these out for authenticity because i've heard a lot of people get ripped off where they get like fakes and stuff through gamestop on the retro stuff yeah so 
I've done my best. Rich and I were talking about that, and mm-hmm. Rich is, may have a story about that in a minute if he feels like sharing. But, um, I mean, to me, they check out. I haven't taken anything apart, but I only bought one SNES game, and it was Mystic Quest. I don't... Yeah. I'm not afraid of getting a fake Mystic Quest. You know what sure, I mean? Sure, sure, yeah. Um, now, if I had bought any Pokemon Game Boy Advance games... I would assume that I would get a fake, to be honest with you. Like, I, <laughs> to me, yeah. I, I just assume no Game Boy Advance Pokemon games are even real anymore. Seriously. So. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> but no, the, the 64 games that I got looked clean. They looked real. I mean, I tested them. They have saves on them. So, okay. I mean, Good. Uh, I think, I think they're legit. Um, and they really look nice too, man. They've got nice labels on them. All of them are really good condition too. Good. Yeah, I mean, my experience so far has been pretty good. I think I'm gonna cool. I'm I'm not gonna order from GameStop for a while again. But in those those two big sales and the money I spent, I, I've been pretty happy with it. And again, I'm I plan to go into detail in writing on this. So, uh, oh, so moving on out of the GameStop realm and into just other miscellaneous stuff. This is kind of funny. I noticed now this is the kind of thing that you do when you you're collecting like your wants list is just getting shorter and shorter. You just have to be creative <laughs> about the things that you're acquiring for your collection. Yeah. So my shelves that I have, I only have the capacity for 52 NES cartridges. That's a shame. No, I only have, um, I'm sorry, I said it wrong. I only have room for 51, but I actually own 52. So I was mulling over getting rid of one game, but I just, I couldn't find one that I was willing to trade or sell or just purge from the collection. So what I did, I took one of my favorite NES games, Dragon Warrior, and I bought off eBay one of those custom clamshell cases, one of those printed, like, you know, rental looking cases. Mm. Yeah. And it's beautiful. It looks like the the box art, and it's printed beautifully. And so I took Dragon Warrior off my shelf, and I kind of put it on display. And now I have the other, you know, the other fifty one <laughs> remaining games are perfectly on the shelf now. It's it's pretty awesome. So then I just picked up over time. I got Shin Megami Tensei Four Apocalypse for the 3DS. I got a copy of Pokemon Diamond for the DS because I had a empty case and manual that i've been just holding forever looking for a copy of that game i decided to just buy it and then these last couple ones i just again when you're when you collect for so long and you're just looking for things and then you find yourself with some disposable income you're going to start filling more expensive gaps in your collection so i just I grabbed Vendel Hearts 2 off of eBay that's a PlayStation 1 game very nice I had for a long time an empty case in the manual for Albert Odyssey for the Sega Saturn and no game. That's a game that a friend of mine back in New Jersey had when he was a kid, could never find the disc, but he had the case and manual. He gave it to me as a very nice gift uh, a couple of years you know, before I left New Jersey and I was just holding it, hoping to find the disc. And of course, I'm never going to find a disc. So I just finally just bought one off eBay. Um, so now I have a complete copy of Albert Odyssey. And I have played through that game entirely, and I loved it. So that's a really cool thing to have. Also, I got that Magic Knight Ray Earth for Sega Saturn. Whoa! But no, okay, I'm being facetious. <laughs> I bought the Japanese version. Oh, um, okay. 
I love that game, though, and I love the franchise. I love the anime. That piece of fiction is one of my favorite, as far as the the manga, the anime, the games, everything. So, as I was filling these gaps in my collection, I said, one thing I'm not going to do is spend $250 on a game I can play through my, you know, my modded Saturn or a game I've already played. So. I just bought the Japanese version, the like special edition with the sleeve and everything. It looks beautiful, and it was freaking 12 bucks, so <laughs> I'm happy with that. <laughs> but the last one, and I'm sorry this took so long, but I'm, I'm done here. My piece de resistance, my holy grail, a game I've been wanting forever since I played it back uh, probably six or seven years ago. It wasn't that long ago. Um, but I wanted a legit copy of Valkyrie Profile. Very so, nice. Yeah, again, I just said screw it. I just went on eBay and dropped the money for it. Wow. I got a beautiful, crisp, clean, awesome copy of it. And it's just, I'm done. It's mine now, you know? Yeah. <laughs> So you know who got me my copy, right? <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. I'm a little jealous of that. But I, I mean, <laughs> look, hey, I, I want to say this. Let me say this. I've told Rich a bunch of times to get you on the app that we're all on, and you don't yeah, come on that. Yeah, I know I should. You don't no, do I it. Should. So, <laughs> yeah, you need to do it, man, because Duke will stop in some stores sometimes and just say, hey, is there anything anybody's looking for? And you just let him know, you know, hey, I'm looking for these few things. And, you know. Sometimes uh, nothing, uh, sometimes good stuff. And uh, he's always able to get some good prices. So, And I've been getting some good prices lately. I've picked some stuff up from Sean and actually picking something up for him tomorrow as well. Mm-hmm. Yes. When yeah, I go back no. to that store. It's definitely <laughs> good to, to be in touch like that. So I'll, I'll yeah. think about that. But yeah, um, we should, we've talked about this and Valkyrie Profile is a game that is on our radar as a playthrough. So yes. awesome. our listeners, uh, f- if you want to chime in on that, would you want to play it? It's available on the PSP, of course, if you don't want to shell out. I believe it's on, is it on the PlayStation Store, Duke? Do you know? Sorry to put you on the spot. I just can't remember. I don't know. I own the real thing. I don't think it is, actually. So. But you could, you know, play it on the PSP or emulate it or... It, get a copy but it's very expensive um awesome game though no, wait a amazing it's, amazing it's, game you guys did suikoden too so i mean you've been yeah. there before well that had that we were we knew had just been put up on the playstation store oh okay so. and we also had a lot of um people that played the first one like begging us to play the the second one so yeah that, that's what we did there well while rich starts rallying his up i will do a little research and i will let you know if it's on the playstation store okay cool man all right you do that we might have to hire this guy <laughs> i work i work cheap <laughs> all right so i'll go into my pickups then since i've been put on the spot are you done sean sorry yeah finally right <laughs> no I, I i mean really i could have went on forever but uh i trimmed it down drastically sorry it took so long but yeah i'm done yeah, I had to trim my list down too because it's been a while since we recorded. Yeah, I think that's that's a big part of it. Yeah, this is going to be a late episode. I've got another game room showcase that's going up on the front page on the 14th in place of ours because we played a longer game this month and you know it took me longer to finish and uh, really wanted to do that before we did the show and you know it took us a while to find some time to the three of us to record as well so but uh my pickups um on your recommendation i picked up a copy of starfighter sandvane 
Nice. <laughs> yeah. And I also picked up a second budget title for the PlayStation 1 called Space Shot. And it's just a shmup. Uh, it looks fairly decent. I watched some reviews on it and it sounded pretty good. And again, it's one of those budget games where you can get it, you know, still in the wrapper for less than 10 bucks, uh, you know, even shipped. And so uh, I pulled the trigger on that one as well. Awesome. Also picked up a copy of Shadow Hearts from the New World. Uh, this is the third game in the series on PS2. So now I only need the first game. Uh, which I'm actively looking for. I found a copy the other day, got them to pull it out of the case, and flipped over the disc, and it was just completely roached. Mm. Uh, so I passed on it. Uh, I think they wanted like close to 30 bucks for it, which, eh, that's a decent price for that game, but at the same time, uh, I- I'm trying to be more careful about, you know, what I purchase and, you know, checking disc and things like that which I'll talk about here in a few minutes. Sean knows my story. So mm. I um, also picked up a copy of Herzog's Wii in the box. Did not have the manual with it, but uh, really nice copy for 20 bucks. So I, I couldn't really pass on that. And um, I, I'm getting to the point where I really want my Genesis games complete. When I started collecting, I was selling oh, off boy. some of the boxes and manuals. Uh, on a lot of the games, and uh, man, I, I just love having those clamshells complete, like you know, especially with the games I'm collecting that are like that. I, I don't collect cardboard, but if it's a game with a clamshell, I, I do like to have that. So, local store picked up a lot of Super Nintendo and Genesis games, uh, sold them to me at a good price. Space Invaders '91, I grabbed that uh, for Genesis. These are all Genesis games. Chuck Rock. Uh, a game called Gods, and they also had a complete copy of Wings of War, which is a great horizontal scrolling shmup. You guys ever played that one? No, I have played Gods though. That's that's a weird little game. Mm-hmm. I, I, um, I played it back in the day, but it's been quite a while. Yeah, I think he plays like Hercules, uh, and it's sort of like a um, an action platformer. Mm-hmm. Uh, so looked pretty cool and the price was right so uh you know i grabbed it they they always treat me well at this store uh i mentioned i haven't plugged up my ps4 yet but it hasn't stopped me from buying games for it i I listened to an episode of the cartridge club and they covered overwatch and this hasn't been a game that's been on my list but after listening to them talk about it they just got me really excited about playing some overwatch um and it's probably not a game that you guys are interested in, but uh, I uh, played a lot of Warcraft several years back, and so I always feel like Blizzard does a great idea of creating these crack games, if you will. And uh, in their um, episode, they really kind of go over the, the different mechanics and what makes that game really cool. And I advise anybody that's even remotely interested in Overwatch to listen to that show. It's really great. Uh, I also picked up a copy of Wild Guns Reloaded, for obvious reasons. Great game on the Super Nintendo, and uh, I've really been wanting the updated version. I picked up a copy of Brothers, which um, I've always thought was a cool puzzle mechanic game. And then I picked up a copy, uh, Sean recommended this too, and I know he picked it up, uh, Toy Soldiers War Chest, Mm -hmm. uh, which is uh, kind of this neat game where you can 
you're, you're kind of toys and, you know, you're, you're fighting these big kind of wars and battles. But the cool thing about War Chest is that you get to play as figures from He-Man and G.I. Joe as well. So it's the old school characters. Again, it's one of those games that you can get really cheap right now, uh, sealed. Well, I think for like under 10 bucks, right, Sean? Oh, yeah, yeah. You should try to get a new copy because of that DLC code it comes with. That's right. I yeah. mean, I got mine for $7 shipped, so it's yeah. not hard to find cheap. Every year on RF Generation, members put together a list of what their collecting goals are for the year. Some people will say, well, I want to get up to this many like ColecoVision games or uh, you know, this many PS3 games by the end of the year. But sometimes I'll list like individual games. And this game was on my list. It's uh, Klonoa for the PS1. And I was able to pick up a copy. I actually got it off eBay, but... I got it for a heck of a price. Uh, I've been following Klonoa for probably almost three years now, trying to find a copy and just waiting for it to hit a you know a really good price, and I just snapped it up when it hit my uh, price range. Nice. So I'm really happy about that. I picked up a pretty cheap copy of Tales of Destiny 2. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> Again, this uh, local store has been taken over by another company, and uh, the prices on their games is just amazing. Sean knows what I paid for that, and it was uh, probably less than half price of what it's going yeah, for. Yeah, dude, so. I mean, I gotta wonder, you know, we, <laughs> we talk about stores that, like, look on eBay and then jack up the price from eBay. I, I wonder where these guys are getting their prices from. It looks like they're going on eBay and then cutting 25% off all of the prices. Like, yeah. It's they know. Very strange. I, like I think their goal is to move product. Yeah, I think they, that's it how must they. Be. It's working. It is. <laughs> that's that's kind of what my local store does. Is they usually look at the eBay price and then knock a certain amount off of it to try to keep product moving. It's awesome. And another thing they've started doing since they were taken over, and this goes into my next pickup, they've started buying everything. Like even if it comes in and it's really scratched up. They'll put it on the shelf and sell it for like a dollar or two dollars, which is awesome, especially with PlayStation games, because, you know, I can pick up some sports games and like if I need some cases replaced or something like that, I'll do that a lot of times because you probably know this compact disc cases just don't do the same. Right. They're, they're just not made to the same specifics as original PlayStation cases were. And then what I've also done several times is they sell like a ton of other games. I'll just buy a game to like, you know, get the manual out of it. Or if I don't have the box or the clamshell, I'll pick it up for that as well. They have like shelves and shelves of just scratched up stuff. And it's listed on there. You know, it's scratched up. But you take a chance when you buy it and you can get some pretty good games. And that brings me to my next pickup. I picked up a copy of Diablo on PS1 for 95 cents. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I, I kind of feel like maybe they thought it was the computer game. <laughs> um, even the people that worked there were like, holy crap, when I brought it up there, you know. And um, yeah, the disc is a little scratched up. And you always take a risk when you resurface PS1 games. But I checked it out, played it. It works great. Uh, and I'm actually selling it to another member of RF Generation. Metal Fro is going to get it from me, and I'm just waiting on him to get some trade bait. And I'm going to give it to him for a really good price and, uh, you know, just in trade. So Cool. But my last two pickups I actually picked up today from the same store. I grabbed a copy of Brigadine uh, oh. for PS1 okay. uh, RPG uh, for about less than half of what it's <laughs> going for on eBay. Nice. 
And then my last pickup, I picked up a copy of Lufia for the Super Nintendo. Now, I picked this copy up, and as I was driving home, I noticed that something wasn't right about this game. Uh-oh. It started with analyzing the label, and it looked a little blurry. Uh-oh. I, I was in a hurry. I was on my lunch break today, so I, was, I just grabbed it as I was going out of the store and paid for it. I traded in a lot of stuff. I had a lot of trade credit from this place. And so I was like, oh, I'll go ahead and splurge and, and get a good game. And uh, looked at the back of it, flipped it over. And instead of the, the back label being that like dark gray, uh-huh. it had a bluish tint. And then the circle, like engraved Nintendo, you know, that's on the back of a Super Nintendo uh-huh. cartridge. It was blank, so it wasn't there. Oh, boy. So I was like, oh, man, what am I going to do? There's no way they're going to make this right. I got in touch with them. You can't call the phone there. They won't pick up the phone and don't have a phone for this place, which is weird. Yeah. But uh, I contacted them on eBay, and they're like, no, no, just bring it back. We'll, we'll take care of you. As long as you got the receipt and you know the stickers on it, whatever, we'll take care of you. And I was like, look, this is a fake. I know it's a fake. I've, I've actually pointed out to them before games that they've had in their cases that were fake. Uh. And they were really nice about it. They're like, well, thank you so much for letting us know. And, you know, they've dropped the prices accordingly. Now, the only thing I've showed them that was fake was they had a game one time that it was the actual game. The box was fake, a copy of Mega Turrican. Oh. And I could, I could tell that the, the artwork was fake on it. And so they dropped it down to, you know, just normal cart price. And, and they were very thankful that I did that. So that's cool, man. I, I really appreciate places like that. They know I spend money in there and uh, they, they want to take care of me as a customer. So. So that's really cool. But, you know, lesson learned. Check your stuff out. Look at it close, you know. Even if it's in a case, yeah. you just you just never know. But that's it. Very nice. All right, man. What have you picked up, Duke? Oh. Anything recently? Yeah. Now, don't give us all the stuff you picked up since your last. <laughs> yeah. oh, we, would, we would probably be here for a little while. Maybe I'll just go back maybe a, a little while. Uh, not too far. I don't have a crazy list, so that'll be fine. But I want to piggyback on your story right there because um, something I just recently picked up, not, it wasn't that same story, but the precautions that I took. So um, not too long ago, a bunch of my buddies were out in Indy, and we had a big get-together in June. And so as a part of that, you know, we go out and hit all the game stores and run around and everything. And um, one of the stores had some had some good games in there. And one of the titles they had was Ninja Warriors for Super Nintendo. And I've been on the lookout for Ninja Warriors at a reasonable price for uh, quite a while. I, I like the franchise and it's like, I like to beat them up. It's cool. And so they had a copy in the case and I'm like, okay. But I was really straight with them. I'm like, you know, I don't want to buy this if we can't open it up and I can't look inside to see the board and everything else. And uh, the manager was really nice. But I said, you know, that's fine, but I'm going to have to go get the boss, and it's going to take a little bit. And I was like, fine, I'll just keep browsing or whatever. But they did. They were very nice about it. took a little bit, but they opened it up. They let me see everything inside of it. I get a really good chance to examine the label because the store people, a lot of times, they just don't they don't know. They, they just aren't as educated <laughs> in that stuff, or they're making minimum wage. They don't care <laughs> or whatever. And this was a store I didn't frequent normally, so I wasn't, you know – sure yeah, about yeah. kind of their quality controls or anything. But, I mean, it turned out legit. It was fine. But I did, you know, kind of go through the whole rigmarole. So while I was there, I bought that, which was a beautiful copy of Ninja Warriors. And they had it priced very reasonably, which is great. It's an awesome mm-hmm. game. Pricey f- for what it should be, I think. But anyway, that's Super Nintendo these days. 
And I also picked up a copy of Fire Shark for Genesis there that they had. At yeah, great shooter. A very good price. I was really surprised because they had like a bunch of stuff in the case. And some of the stuff I was looking at, they were, I was just like, whatever. I mean, you just look at it like, come on, man. Like they had Lightning Force, you know, box. And mm-hmm. it was it was high. It was pretty high. And they had some other games too. But I was surprised the price they had on Fire Shark. So I picked that up. It's a great quality copy of that game and fire shark is great <laughs> it's just i mean total plan shooters on genesis you can't go wrong but yeah. uh i just love the i love that game because it's just that certain level of meanness that those games have to have where it's like okay there's one really awesome power up and it's going to be really easy to lose and we're going to throw all the power ups at you that you don't want and we're going to make them hard to avoid so it's really easy to pick up the power ups you don't want <laughs> you know what i mean uh <laughs> yeah, and then yeah, yeah. and then they had like the speed power ups on that game only float around the top of the screen they don't ever come to the bottom of the screen so you have to take a risk if you want to try to get up there and get one of those speed power ups so anyway uh that's that's a pretty good game so i got those at that place um some other things I picked up um, at the local store uh, a little while back. I did a deal. I'd been working with them for a while. I know the the manager of the store, and he kind of clued me in into something they'd had in the back, and they weren't going to put it out. And so I'm, you know, so I negotiate and negotiate, negotiate. We finally get to the point where I, I make a deal on it. So um, I picked up a TurboGrafx CD unit nice. in the case, you know, the carry case, the manuals, the CD unit, everything works, um, power supply, just in wonderful shape. Um, and I also picked up the turbo stick for that in the box. Mm-hmm. Um, so some nice turbo stuff. They had more. They had like a whole turbo graphics in the box and they had a controller in the box and uh i couldn't go too crazy i already have a turbo but uh anyway that was probably one of the biggest things i've gotten a long time really excited about that i mean my regular daily player will still be the pc engine but um that's just an Mm -hmm. awesome system when you open that case up (laughs) and you see that monstrosity and you're like yeah they wanted you to carry this thing around to your friend's house (laughs) this giant case (laughs) which is really cool but everything fits inside you know you get a controller power supply everything just fits right in there so it's great now they have a pretty high fail rate right uh the cd units there's a gear that tends to Mm -hmm. just become brittle and break over time but you can just get a new gear so not a big deal just replace them yeah yeah and we forgot to mention i mean that's another reason that uh the duke's not doing the collector cast anymore he's making so much damn money (laughs) fixing up and repairing uh you've been following on twitter and you've been fixing up a lot of stuff yeah that's part of my scores uh i guess while we're mentioning that i'll mention um yeah i've been getting more into the hobby of kind of some repair i've always been interesting to me so i've decided to get farther into it and so some of the stuff I picked up recently have been along those lines. So um, here recently I did um, pick up a new soldering iron. I, you know, I got a little bonus, some money from selling some stuff, uh, which I've been doing. So I sprung out for a new Hacko soldering iron. Cause, I got one of those. They're great. Man. And I've been using an old Weller forever, which is <laughs> fine. It's, yeah. you know, it's okay. Yeah. This thing holds temp like it's going out of style. I'm so impressed. Yeah, uh, when I'm amazing. using, I'm like, oh my gosh, this thing is like, it's instantly hot and it stays hot. My old weller, I'd like use it, wait, use it, wait. Anyway, I mean, it's fine. It did the job, but 
Um, I also got a pan of ice, uh, 300, you know, that moves like in a million different directions to hold things as I work. Uh, there was a good deal on a heat gun for doing like shrinking, shrink wrapping and, and stuff like that. So, yep. uh, you know, that was some stuff that I picked up. And part of that was a part of the, what I would probably call the prime day Palooza extravaganza. <laughs> uh, those of you that probably know that there was a prime day mess up, like for the first few minutes of prime day where they were like basically applying all the discounts like three times. So yeah. um, that day I've, I've still got this stack right in front of me. So I got one of those eight bit dough receivers, like the Bluetooth receiver for NES. I got that really cheap. So you can use like whatever Bluetooth controllers wirelessly just came in. They even honored a pre-order price mess up. I got Mega Man Legacy Collection 2. Just came in the other day. Uh, I got Ever Oasis. I got... Oh, uh, yeah. I want that. Yeah, I got um, Crash Insane Trilogy. Um, Rocket League Collector's Edition. Ukulele. The Kingdom Hearts games for PS4, which the names make no sense. But anyway, I got the Kingdom Hearts games and also got the collector's edition of one of them because it was the exact same mess up price as the regular edition. So I just got both of those. Damn. Uh, and I didn't pay a whole <laughs> lot for all that. And I also got Mario Maker for my daughter for her birthday. And it was all cheap, along with some of this other stuff that I got too. Mario Maker was the only thing I could manage to grab in that fracas. But you got it, fixed. Though, huh? I did get it. I'm grateful. But I did see... Uh, you know, by the time I caught wind of what was going on by seeing it on social media, half of the stuff had been fixed already. But, Dude, uh, I was clicking buy as fast as I could just click yeah. buy. You know what I mean? It was like, no, it, okay, it this one, like bam, this one, bam, this one, bam. And I wasn't yeah. adding them to my cart individually. It was just buy this, buy this, one click buy, one click buy. And it didn't last very long. It was like a few minutes and they had that cleared up. But uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, so I got all of those, uh, probably, you know, just a few other things real quick. I got some Genesis carts that, uh, were at the local store. Nothing too exciting, but like all the strike games complete in box. So those are always kind of cool. Those helicopter, you know, games. Oh yeah. Jungle strike. Desert strike, yeah, urban yeah, strike. Yeah. I got all those, uh, complete. I got lemmings on the Genesis, um, a copy of Echo because I guess you have to own Echo the Dolphin at some point in time. Um, I got sort of a million. I already had a copy, but this one was so cheap and in great condition. I just figure it's good sell trade bait. Uh, and sort of a million is great. If you've never played sort of a million, check it out. Uh, a copy of Ah real monsters, which I had no clue, but it was cheap and it was complete. So it's Genesis. Why not? The minister light gun game in its box and populous. That's probably enough. That's, uh, some stuff that I've picked up recently. I uh, was really excited. I've been buying tons of stuff to bring to Retro World Expo to sell. So come to the RF Generation table, buy some games and some systems. I'll hook you up. Nice. Ooh. It's neat to hear you guys talk about Genesis. I stopped collecting Genesis a long time ago. Oh, so Genesis to hear does. you guys talking about... Genesis does take up a lot of collection on it, or a lot of space on a shelf. So that's why <laughs> it I does that. I so many good Genesis games, though. So many agreed, Genesis agreed. games. Agreed. That's why I emulate the loving oh, no. crap out of them. Don't. Oh, you hurt, you hurt my heart. <laughs> I will tell you, though, on that same Prime Day mess up, though, I also got, um, I haven't got the Raspberry Pi yet, but I got a little uh, Raspberry Pi 3 case that looks like an NES. Oh, that's <laughs> so, cool. In case I get a, a raspberry pie to go in.
Well, Sean, we're waiting. Oh, do you want me to ask you first, or oh, can I ask? can I do it? Oh, yeah, oh, be our oh, guest, <laughs> Sean. What are you playing? <laughs> oh, that was beautiful. <laughs> Very well done. Um, okay, so I played Lego City Undercover, uh, The Chase Begins, which was the 3DS prequel to Lego City Undercover. And I did a write-up on that for rfgeneration.com, so check that out. Pretty cool game. Um, a serviceable Lego handheld game but then when i bought it it was so cheap that i bought a copy also for my friend for his birthday and he and his girlfriend adored the game they loved it he's like i was playing it, and my girlfriend like took the 3ds out of my hand and she was playing it for three hours and it's like <laughs> wow i'm glad you guys are enjoying that game it's awesome yeah so i mentioned in the last show that i was playing uncharted 4 and I don't want to be too negative, but I'm done with that series. I got halfway through the game, and I mean, I talked about it a lot on our episode when we did Uncharted 1, and I talked about it quite a bit when we did The Last of Us, but I don't know why I keep trying Naughty Dog games thinking that something might be different, but they're just so aggressively boring that I, <laughs> I can't even... I, got, I just got to stop. It's just not for me. So, I mean, I'm just going to leave that there. Um, so then the, the theme of these next two games is fan service. And it's very interesting because I played Onichambra Z2 Chaos. I saw that is, on the P- PS4. Like it comes up that you're playing and I'm like, what? Yeah. So it's a, it's kind of, it's not a super long running series, but it, it started back on the Xbox 360 and the Wii. And it was Onichambra Bikini Samurai Zombie Slayers, I think was the full. <laughs> I just remember this picture of this girl in this tiny bikini, like in a weird straw hat and like yeah, samurai exactly. swords. Yeah, yeah. So what they did in this game, they, they put the two main characters from the Xbox game and the two main characters from the Wii game and put all four of them into one game on the PS4. And it, it was awesome. It's so low production value. You're basically <laughs> playing a Dreamcast game, and it's amazing. Um, but the thing is, like, it's trashy. I mean, <laughs> this is chicks in bikinis running around, mouthing off, and you know, being sexy and trashy. And it's it's awesome, but it's a certain level <laughs> of fan service that you're signing up for when you play this game. Does um, it have like those really awkward camera angles that you probably really shouldn't be looking at? Uh, not really. It's not too bad. It's more like, um, I don't know. It's like the style of more like a sexy music video with like a car wash scene or something. <laughs> like, it's not like, I don't know. That's the best description I've ever heard. <laughs> Sounds like a winner to me. Well, that's what I mean when I, like, it's cheesy, trashy. I, I can't think of many more. It's like kitschy. Like, I don't, I don't know. It's very tongue in cheek. It's very self-aware. You know what I mean? Like... It doesn't take itself seriously. But this next game, from the aspect of fan service, is just something totally different. And it's funny because we pull quotes from our members on rfgeneration.com. I happened to see when I was looking at the Beaten in 2017 thread, a newer member by the name of Mr. Irrelevant posted that he finished this game, which is Valkyrie Drive for the PlayStation Vita. Hmm. 
And I'm going to quote his comment on this game because it's it's almost he almost felt exactly how I felt. He said, I didn't get the good ending. It requires everything to be SS rank for each mission. Um, too much work for a game that left me feeling so dirty. <laughs> Fan service is nice, but frankly, I'm drowning in it with this game and needed to come up for air and also soap. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> seriously, this game is for a niche group of gaming. I'm not sure I fall under. So it's kind of funny. So you immediately bought it after you read Yeah, that. so Rich, this is a, such a good example of be careful what you wish for. Or, <laughs> you know what I mean? Because we talked about those uh, hyperdimension or hypertagmension, the, the zombies game that I was playing. Uh, mm-hmm that action hack and slash on the Vita, and we ended up getting yeah. the other game in the series. That game has some fan service in it. It's cute, sexy little anime girls running around with swords. But the level that they take it to as far as, I don't know what you want to say, the agency of the characters or what they're doing, why they're doing it, their motivations and everything. For some reason, you can call it a judgment call or whatever on, on my part. I'm okay with that in that game. I'm okay with the way it's presented in Oni Chambra. But the way it was presented in Valkyrie Drive just was so gross. And like the female characters had no agency. They just felt like they were just victimized in these like twisted ways throughout the whole game, which yeah. is a shame because it was a good hack and slash. Like it had a good fighting engine in it. But man, I just kind of slogged through it and didn't enjoy it at all and it may be the first vita game that ever leaves my collection wow yeah so i would just say buyer beware if you're like me and you think oh i like cute busty anime girls in my video games what could go wrong (laughs) like (laughs) just be careful what you wish for i don't know Um, there's a line in the sand donnie yeah that's exactly what it is (laughs) like it's like i you know i know it when i see it kind of thing and Yeah. yeah So just a couple more real quick. I played uh, The Wolfenstein, The Old Blood, which is a prequel to uh, The New Order. Awesome game. Mm-hmm. Awesome game. I played um, Gears of War Judgment, which uh, I've been playing my uh, my Xbox 360 a lot lately uh, just because it's in a, a room in my house that stays particularly cool because that's where my projector is and the room is blacked out. So no sunlight gets in there. The central air just pumps into that room so i've been spending a lot of time in there because it's been extremely hot here lately um so anyway i played gears of war judgment i am currently playing and this is great because as i've mentioned on the show before my ideal gaming status is to be playing one handheld game and one console game concurrently and when i'm doing that And when also both games are awesome and I'm having a hell of a time with both of them, that's just bliss. That's pure magic in my life. So the handheld game is Ace Combat Assault Horizon Legacy for the 3DS. It's one of the games I got from GameStop, four for 10. So it was like $2 or whatever. It is awesome. It's a remake of Ace Combat 2 for the 3DS. The graphics are amazing. The the voice acting, the the anime presentation, the story's all goofy and overdramatic. I Great. loved you, Ace Combat too. Yeah, dude, it's it's a it's awesome. I'm having so much fun with it. So then the console game that I'm playing currently is called Sacred Three, and amazingly, this game has gotten the worst reception of ever, any game I ever have ever seen. It has like a 42 on Metacritic, and I don't 
Hmm. I, I hate Metacritic. I think the whole system is so screwed up, but like the aggregate review score for this game is extremely low. And there's two things going on here. The script is very bad. It tries to be funny, but it's like, it's kind of like Borderlands funny. Like they're trying a little too hard and most of the time it falls flat. And the other thing is it was developed by a completely different studio than the first two games. I haven't played the first two games, but I understand this third game just kind of doesn't respect the lore or the stories of the first two games. So most of the fans totally turn their back on it. However, if you play the game, it's it's fun as hell. It's awesomely fun. It's just a Diablo clone. It's just a Diablo dungeon crawler. You're just running around, hacking away, slashing at goblins and enemies and zombies and anything that comes at you. And it's very stripped down and simplified. There's actually no loot. You just get gold. And then you can use the gold to upgrade your weapons. You don't even choose your weapons. You just earn different weapons as you level up. And then you can pick which one you want to use. There's no shops or anything. So it's very stripped down. And it's weird. Like these things that aren't there. You think, well, that's stupid. Why would they make a Diablo thing without loot? But then you're playing it. And you're like, I don't care. I'm just cutting the crap out of everything i see for an hour and it's amazing to do after work you know just crashing on the couch and it's very cathartic and the environments are very colorful the presentation is great you know it runs fine there's no performance issues or anything so yeah i think this game got a really bad rap it's a super super underrated game one of the most underrated games i've ever played so and le- and I'm not finished with it yet. So unless the ending is locked behind a paywall or something, uh, I'm pretty <laughs> confident saying that I'm two thirds of the way done. You can see the whole world map as you play the game, and I'm two thirds of the way with done with the missions and the side missions. And I'm doing every side mission because I'm having so much fun with the game. So uh, this game and also Gears of War Judgment are four player online co op. If you want to, I played Gears of War totally alone unfortunately but uh, as i play sacred three people have been dropping into my game and helping me out and just that's even more fun running around with another person just running around like an idiot hacking and slashing so yeah so that's what i've been playing very cool so rich have you ever played sacred three (laughs) (laughs) i have not no i've never heard of it it's pretty neat. I mean, if you ever fire up your 360 again, or if you get a copy for PS3, um, try it. Can I ask a quick, but, a quick question? Please. This is just kind of as an aside, but I'm curious because, okay, so you're a fan of PlayStation. And so here I had to ask this because like I was almost at this tempted point. So like right now, as of this show when it's recording, and I don't know when else, if it kind of keep going, but Amazon has a deal with PlayStation VR right now. So you get PlayStation VR, you get the camera, and you get games for $300. Yeah. Does does that interest you at all? Yes, it does. But what interested me more was there was a deal that Newegg was selling the VR rig with the camera and the move controllers for $400. Yes, I do still want to get that, but there are things on my list ahead of that uh, as far as those kind of big money expenditures. I actually mm-hmm. plan to buy an Xbox One uh, <gasps> what? this month. Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> so with the 
original Xbox backwards compatibility that's coming and the 360 backwards compatibility that already exists. Plus, I need a Blu-ray player in that particular room. I'm thinking more and more that I should just buy an Xbox One. So, If we're going to save this for later, which we may, and, and if so, just say save this for later. But you know the next one's right on the horizon. Does that make you want to wait? No, not at all. So okay. here's the thing. I just bought a PS4 Pro for my 4K TV. Did you really? And yeah, so, you know, that's baller. Like, I'm, I feel like I'm done with the high-tech stuff there. I want to buy an Xbox One S, the cheap, slim model, mm-hmm. um, specifically for my media room that has the cheap projector in it. So I don't want an Xbox One X I with see. the pro and and the 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 4k gaming and all that stuff for 500 dollars when i'm going to run it through a standard def projector against the wall okay i might even buy a used one like i'm trying to just get a cheap sure uh like all-in-one machine for that room basically okay makes sense so yeah sorry i i really digress there how did we get into that i don't oh, know you asked me <laughs> playstation from being playstation VR. vr yeah so yeah that's on my list too but i want to get the xbox one and there's some other uh, devices that I'm mulling over getting. So, um, so anyway, with that rich, (laughs) what are you playing? Well, if you listen to the show I was on of retro Fandango, it's probably going to be a repeat of that because I've been stuck playing so much Shining Force 2 and trying to complete that recently that I haven't had a lot of time to play anything else. But I've mentioned my buddy Cameron before. He was actually on our Golden Axe episode that we did a few years ago. Um, He used to live around here. We used to get together once a week and play games all the time. Well, about a month ago, he traveled here and actually stayed the night with us one night uh, while he was in town visiting his parents. And uh, we actually sat down and played quite a few Genesis games. And among those, including Contra Hardcore, Mystic Fighter, Batman Returns, Devilish, Predator 2, and we actually played the beat 'em up The Punisher as well, which uh, we both quite enjoyed a lot. Have you guys played any of the games that I've mentioned there? Not in any recent period of time. Is Devilish a pinball game, or am I thinking of something else? Uh, yeah, it is. Um, it's less of a pinball game than... Have you ever played, like, Fire Striker on the Super Nintendo? No, I'm not familiar with it, that one. Okay. There is a ball, but you use these shields to push the ball, sort of like Breakout, or one of those types of games. Okay. If you've ever played, I think it's Pinball Quest on uh, the regular Nintendo, you kind of just break stuff and you just kind of push through levels, and so it scrolls vertically as well. And so you just kind of keep hitting the ball, and you, you can kind of move your paddles and adjust. You have two, one that goes vertical and one that goes horizontal, and you can kind of move the ball like that, and you kind of push it up through levels. So it's almost like a uh, sort of an action-adventure game at the same time. Uh, it's really cool. They actually have a copy of it on the Nintendo DS. So uh, that might be a copy that you can find and check out. I played Contra Hardcore. That is a really awesome game. I don't know if you've ever played it before. I know it can be kind of pricey on the Genesis, but 
it is a very, very worthy addition to the Contra series. I'm always surprised that when I see, especially like Konami titles that had always, you know, really been um, brought up on the Nintendo, that transition to like the Genesis, like Castlevania Bloodlines, they made some really great games on the Genesis 2 that are specific to that system. And Contra Hardcore is one of the Hyperstone Heist. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. I also played Mystic Fighter. That's a beat-em-up that's kind of gotten expensive recently. I don't know why. Really? Yeah, it's not a particularly great beat-em-up. I was looking for a manual for my copy because I got mine without the manual. And it's not something I have to have in my games as long as I have the clamshell, but I like to try to find them when I can. And I've been trying to do a search for it, and one popped up on eBay the other day. And just the manual was like 60 Canadian, which was like 50-something bucks for the manual. So... Yeah, so that's one that's really gone up. It's a two-player game. Cameron and I had a lot of fun with it. You know, anytime you're playing a beat-em-up with a group, it can kind of seem better than than it actually is. But, uh, yeah, it's not at the top of the list of great beat-em-ups, but it's serviceable. And and if you find a copy for cheap, I'd say, you know, try to pick it up. Um, Batman Returns, Platformer. Not a great game at all. <laughs> Not one that I would recommend. I found it for like three bucks complete in a local store. And I was like, oh, I'll pick it up, give it a shot. Big fan of the movie. Not a big fan of the Genesis game. Play the Sega CD version. Oh, okay. Is it really it's good? It's like basically the same game, but they've added this really kind of cool uh, driving segments to it. And the driving segments make it worth it. Oh, uh, okay. Well, if it's the same game with just driving segments, I might have to pass. Uh, if you <laughs> find it cheap, I don't think it's a costly game. And then uh, Predator 2 is actually a really cool game um, for the Genesis. It's uh, an isometric shooter uh, where you have to like kind of go through the levels and you have to save uh, a certain amount of hostages before the exit door opens up while killing a lot of baddies who drop drugs. <laughs> so uh, you play as Danny Glover, which is kind of cool. And uh, the Predator kind of pops up in certain levels. It, I got to uh, ask a question. Which, which is a lot of fun. Is he, is he too old for yeah. this <laughs> he is a little too old for that. Thanks for uh, giving me something to uh, use my monkey. Hey, I no, I, I, I'm pretty sure. Sh- I'm pretty <laughs> sure Sean already got earlier, one of those. Actually, <laughs> you did. Yeah, he beat me to the punch. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, we actually played the Punisher, which is a great beat 'em up. One player gets to play as the Punisher, and the other person gets to play as Nick Fury. It is on the pricey side. I got mine. Uh, a few years ago, so I got it for a great price. But as we're playing that, we put it on easy just to try to get through it, and it does not let you play the last level. It stops ah. the game and shames you. <laughs> we were talking about we were talking about game shaming. I think the last episode, right? Yeah, because we were I'm talking, about, yeah, 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 about enslaved. Wow. And you know, the reason I was playing it on normal and my entire uh, psychological profile. Um, but yeah, I, I got game shamed and, uh, it, it's real game shaming is real, <laughs> but that's it guys. That's, that's all I've been playing. Just a bunch of Genesis games. So, uh, Duke, tell me, what are you playing? <laughs> oh, I, you know, I don't have nearly as much. You guys make it sound like you're, you've got way more time than I do or something. Um, I, maybe I'm just... No, I'm, it's just been a long time since we recorded. <laughs> that, that was all in one night. <laughs> I, maybe I've just sunk my time in a little bit in different places. Um, well, I've been playing my 
games, a couple of games I picked up. So definitely been playing Fire Shark. I really like yeah, Fire yeah. Shark. Um, I had really never spent much time with it. I think I remember renting it back in the day and playing around with it a little bit. But now that I keep playing it now, I really like that game. I mean, it just has just enough difficulty to make you want to keep going back to it. And the right level of just, oh, you know, like half the time you're doing it to yourself. Like I said, mm-hmm. you'll get that fire gun, which is amazing. You'll kill everything. And then all of a sudden the game just starts throwing all these crappy power-ups at you. And they just bounce around the screen like crazy. So not only do you have to fly around, try to kill the things and not get shot. You have to try to dodge all the garbage power-ups <laughs> that never seem to want to bounce off the screen. So, um that's a lot of fun. I really been I enjoy and it's not a long game to play. So Fire Shark, if you haven't played it or if you're interested, I highly recommend it. And I'm Ninja Warriors, of course, for Super Nintendo. That game, you know, it's not cheap. It's worth it. Um Really? I, I'm a big fan of the arcade cab and it just the discrepancy in the two games just kind of makes me like, eh, I don't know. Don't get me wrong, man. Ninja Warriors, the arcade <laughs> machine, is probably my oh favorite my arcade game of all yeah. time. I mean, it's amazing. It's incredible. If you've ever not seen what that arcade cab is like, it's three screens wide. It's amazing. Um, and yeah. you can get the, uh, you know, at least you could emulate it. You get the idea to some degree, but. Yeah, but no, it's a lot of fun. It's basically like a part two-ish side story sort of thing, um, and mm-hmm. it's just fun. It's a beat-em-up. The graphics are gorgeous. You get to pick your ninja. You know, there's three different ninjas that you can pick from. You've got like a power-up meter, so if you don't get hit, you charge up this like super meter that you can do like a super move on guys. Uh, but if you get hit, like it decreases the power. So it's really like, you know, make sure you keep yourself. All the ninjas, robots kind of play differently. Um, so of course you have like your heavy, you're real fast and kind of your medium. Those are my kind of games. So I really enjoy it. I know everybody balks it when they think like, oh man, that's like a hundred dollar Super Nintendo cartridge. But a new game for a new system is $60. Yeah. That's always my argument. And you make I just yeah. pre-ordered the, the Fallout 4 Pip-Boy Game of the Year edition. That was a hundred dollars. Yeah. And I see collector's editions. Be of some games now they're like way more than that yeah so, so don't mm. feel bad i wouldn't say go out and buy like every 100 hundred dollar game that exists but for the really good ones don't feel guilty about that they're really good games nope so like valkyrie yeah, profile there you go right yep. well worth yeah. you spending you already money. know it's a good game it's stood the test of time so yep. why not spend that money on it as opposed to a game you know nothing about or know whether it's good or not based on you know, just reviews. Yeah, I do, I really don't get that. I don't get that mentality that like, oh, what an old game is like sixty dollars. I'm like, you you'll buy new games all the time at sixty dollars. What's the problem? Yeah, yep. exactly. Anyway, um, so I've been playing those soapbox. Yeah, well, I, I, I'll step down. <laughs> but old games are good too, folks. There's a reason they cost what they do. Obviously, I've been playing Shining Force two. Um, a lot, and we're going to get into that, so I won't belabor the point. And what I've spent, been taking a lot of time into is uh, Final Fantasy XII Zodiac Age came out, and oh my gosh, have they done such a fantastic job on the re-release. The graphics look gorgeous. They've redone the music score, which was already pretty amazing. And when I pre-ordered it, 
the code even unlocked like another mix of the score. There's like the original, there's like an uh like an orchestral, and then there's like the new that you can just switch on on the fly. And probably one of the things that relieves a lot of issues, I think, is that it's based off the the Japanese re-release, which they revamped the job system. So you really have to think more than you did the original time you played it, and it's more Final Fantasy where I'm going to dedicate these characters to these certain job types. You can't just be a master of everything anymore. And they've also added a fast-forward button. So if the battles are slow and you just want to speed up the grinding part, you can put it up to four times speed, and you can just blast through fights like super fast. Um, So it takes all the pain out of grinding or like just walking from place to place. It's very respectful of your time as an adult it's one button to turn the fast forward on and off so if it's just a grindy part just hit it or if you're just walking somewhere you blast through it turn it off play the game normally if you liked final fantasy 12 before i can't recommend it enough play it again if you've never played final fantasy 12 this is definitely the version to pick up to play it i'm having a great time with it i love it cool awesome but that's it that's me Everyone's still awake, including our listeners. <laughs> well, they could be watching, listening at the same time they want. So, <laughs> let's talk about a little Shining Force Two. Um, as we mentioned in July, we played Shining Force Two as our playthrough at our generation. Participants including the three of us, which we all finished the game. Disposed Hero, who's still working on it, but has played it before in the past. Dougley007, who also finished. Addicted, still working on it. Shaggy. And Engineer Mike. So, yeah, a decent-sized group to play this game. Um, anytime you, you know, have a group of more than five or six willing to play a fairly lengthy RPG, I'd say it's a success, for sure. And I, I will say, I mean, not playing necessarily along with us, but I kept, like, putting stuff on Twitter and Lobert and... She was playing yeah. the original, I think, on like phone or something, but she kept like commenting right along with it, so that was fun. We've actually got some listener questions from her, which I was really happy to see and feel like a complete idiot because she posted them on <laughs> Twitter w- after I'd asked for questions. I wondered about that. <laughs> and, and I answered all of her questions. I was like, what? And she was like, oh, thanks. I guess I don't have to listen to the episode now. <laughs> I covered for you. I said, no, you got to tune in to hear what I've got to say. Well, the thing is, is when I had finished, I had 
put the picture up and I actually tagged her in the picture because I knew she'd been playing the games and I thought, you know, it would spark some conversation and she never responded to it. So I thought that was a response from that because I had forgotten that I had put listener questions out there because let's face it, we never get any listener questions. You need to try yeah, hard. I was going to say that. I was thinking you just didn't know how to react. Like, it exactly never happened. Right. You try. It was like a kid at Christmas time. You know, it was just giddy. Just uh, let people ask so about whatever we, the heck they want. Then you will get all sorts of wacky questions. Trust me. Yeah. yeah the Playcast yeah. AMA all, all the time. I, I'm telling you what, just uh, if you can get Pocky X, Tom, if you can get him asking you some questions, you'll get some interesting ones. Yeah, I'll have to hit him up. I haven't heard from him in a He's while. He's doing all so. right. So this um, playthrough has been in the works for a while. We actually played through the original Shining Force in May of 2015. If you'd like to listen to that episode, that's episode 14. It was actually Steven, Disposed Hero, former co-host, and I, who actually talked about Shining Force. It's a really fun episode, and uh, I actually listened to it the other day just to kind of refresh my memory on the game and, you know, the things that we talked about and kind of compare and contrast it to Shining Force 2, which, as you're listening to this call, um, I know Duke's played the first game, Sean has not, Mm -hmm. but you may hear some comparison and contrasting between the two games, as I'm sure most people would be interested in. Shining Force 2 came out in North America in October of 1994. It was released in Japan a year earlier in October of 93. It was developed by Camelot Software Planning, which at the time was called Sonic Software Planning, and it was published by Sega. Of course, it is a tactical RPG, and I I did want to go a little bit into the timeline and history. We actually had uh, Red McKnight, who's one of our forum members, had said, why are we playing this game? We should be playing the Game Gear version of the game. And, of course, I kind of made a smart (laughs) comment. You know, about why would anyone want to play a Game Gear game? Which hurts, I, I'm just Rich. kidding, of that, course. That hurts, Rich. But, but at the same time, when you do a playthrough, and, you know, Sean, you can attest to this, it's hard to find enough people to play, and especially hard to find enough people to play a Game Gear game. And you would have to actually ask those people to play it in Japanese. Because there's, well, let's get into the timeline in history. Mm-hmm. So the original Shining Force... Again, July 1993 was released in North America. Shining Force Gaiden 1, 2, and the Final Conflict, which that game was only released in Japan, ties the two games together. And by the two games, I mean Shining Force 1 and Shining Force 2, which we play. All right? Are you following me here? I got you. Gaiden 1, Gaiden 2, and Final Conflict were only released for the Game Gear in Japan. However, we got Shining Force CD, which is actually Gaiden 1 and Gaiden 2, does not include the Final Conflict, but also includes two new segments in the game. All right? Only a little confusing. Keep going. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) All right. And so in North America, we got a Game Gear game of Shining Force called The Sword of Haja in 1994, and that is actually Shining Force Gaiden 2 only. <laughs> so, there we are. And because makes perfect sense. we can't What's get enough... Problem? It, it, exactly, that's, right? It's plain as that's day. It's like worse than the Final <laughs> Fantasy name <laughs> conventions. 
Saiken Densetsu. So, Here we come, right? Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> so to answer Mr. McKnight's question, the reason we're not playing the game that links these two games together first is because, A, it's on the Game Gear, and we'll never get enough participation on the Game Gear. And B, it's only in Japanese. So You're not fluent in Japanese, Rich? I mean, come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> or as Sean would say, we would emulate it, right? That's Just right. emulate everything. There's got to be a fan patch. We'll find it. We don't even need to buy systems anymore. Just emulate everything. Uh, so that gives you a history of the series. And, you know, I'm not going to go into Shiny Force 3. There's several iterations. There's I can't, I can't wait for the Shiny Sh- Force 3 playthrough. <laughs> Shiny Force 3. There's Shining Tears. Um, there's, there's like, I think three games on the PlayStation 2. There's several. Shining in the Holy Ark. Oh, yeah. man. That's not even really that yeah. one. That's Shining in the Darkness series, but. Yeah, we, Shining should, yeah we should mention a lot of these are in like a shared universe, but they're not all strategy RPGs. Ah. Especially the ones mm-hmm. on the PS2 are like, um, action RPGs, some of them, so. Yeah. Uh, There's actually one on the Saturn that was released that has the stories, like the precursor stories of Sarah and one of the other characters that are in Shining Force 2, but I can't remember what the name of that game is hmm. off the top of my head. But anyway, it's a Saturn title, I'm sure. Our listeners can figure it out, and uh, hey, if you know what it is and you want to complain about me not knowing it... I wonder if that's uh, Shining in the Holy Ark. on Twitter. I haven't played... It's been forever since I played Shining in the Holy Ark, but... It might be. I want to I I think there was a character named Sarah in that. It's not Shining in the Holy Ark. I know that for well, a fact. Well, we got Shining in no. the Holy Ark, and we got Shining Wisdom on Saturn, and Shining yeah. Force 3. I don't think there's any other Shining games that we got on Saturn here, but... Yeah, it's Wisdom. Shining Wisdom has... Shining uh, Wisdom, Sarah that's it. and Kazan are in ah, that game. okay. Beautiful box That's North art. American. Yeah, we yeah, got that one. Yeah. Not thanks to Sega. I think that one was... Uh, uh, yeah, it looks like working designs. Yeah, working designs brought that one over. But. All right. So now that we have a grasp, a firm grasp, <laughs> I would say. Makes perfect sense. Oh, yeah. I'm very confident. Just one, it's like, <laughs> There'll be a quiz it's later. like one, two, three. Don't worry about that. That's good. <laughs> yeah. So let's get into the story of Shiny Force 2. I guess you guys saw my outline. I've just gotten big <laughs> bold letters. Effing devils, man. With some exclamation devils. points. This devils. is pretty this so, is a satanic game for the time, man. Yeah, it is. You know, it's funny because like games like Zelda, they tried to remove all the religious imagery and things like that when they brought them over to North America. And uh with this one there's quite a bit of uh devil imagery and they play a big part in this. The whole concept sort of behind the devils is they can't meddle with mankind, right? That was what I kind of took from the game. It's kind of odd. It doesn't really explain it very well. I mean, because there's like there's these gods-ish things, like this yeah. phoenix god thing, and like the woman god, mm-hmm. and these the mm-hmm. devils, you know. Matula. Yeah, yeah, there's a devil kind of, I guess they're like demigods, really. But mm-hmm. yeah, it doesn't do a good job, I think, of kind of explaining there is like this dark realm where Zeon is locked away. And I, I don't know. <laughs> it's a different world, man. It's crazy. <laughs> so it starts out, which which I really like about this game. It starts out, you get the prologue of this game in the credits. You know, there's this whole story you just sit through in the credits. You don't even have to fire up the game. Yeah. 
and what happens, there's this shrine that's south of the, the main town called Grand Seal Castle. There's a thief who we figure out later is named Slade. He breaks into a magical seal, and he removes the jewels of light and darkness. Well, this releases this devil, Zeon. The king of Grand Seal gets possessed by uh, one of Zeon's minions. They're, they're called like gizmos. And because of that, he falls sick. They figure out what's going on with the king and Sir Astle, who's sort of like the court magician, who is a prominent figure in the game, but never really lends you a hand, which is odd. You never get to use this character, which would have been cool. He exercises the demon from King Granzel, and this demon moves to the neighboring kingdom of Gallum to possess their king, and subsequently puts the two kingdoms at war, right? Uh, you play as a hero... You get the name, the hero, whatever you want, but I think the Japanese name uh, was Bowie, and so that was sort of the default name, correct? Yeah, default's Bowie. He reacquires both jewels, but the princess of Grand Seal, Elise, is captured, and the ground opens up and it swallows and destroys the entire kingdom of Grand Seal. Uh, Grand Seal's inhabitants are then forced to travel the continent to Parmesia and set up a new home there. Again, you play as Bowie and you travel around to towns and kingdoms to not only open up trade with the new Grand Soul town, but also recruit more allies to defeat this demon, Zeon, before he gains full power. So apparently he doesn't quite have all his power now, and these other evil devils are helping him out to try to help him regain power and take over the world. So the world of devils typically doesn't really affect humanity, can't put really a hand in humanity. And you, you find some devils that are, um, you know, compassionate and good. And uh, it's a pretty neat story. So I'm kind of interested to hear what you guys think about the entire story. Were there any parts that you really enjoyed or any kind of twists and turns throughout that you'd like to mention? I think you forgot to mention that these gems of light and darkness like fuse themselves into Bowie. That's true. So yeah. they can't be removed because they—that's it. They the Zeon wants the dark crystal or whatever it is, uh, and can't yeah. take it from him because whatever this power is has fused them like into his body. Mm-hmm. It's like the ruby slippers in the Wizard kind of Kind of, but right? like I get the impression they're like fused into his neck or something, which I'm like, huh? They don't really yeah. explain that very well, but you get that idea that these are somehow become a part of his body. Although they don't really seem to do much of anything for him. They just kind of like a place for them to be safely kept away from Zeon or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's, he's sort of this mystic hero. There's been this talk of a hero rising up, like in Greek mythology, like the uh, omens and things like that, that he's supposed to rise and save the kingdom and, and that sort of you thing. You mean every so, JRPG uh, ever? Right. The lone basically. hero, right? <laughs> Who slaughters millions yeah. to finally win the day? <laughs> And save the princess who can be woken by a of kiss. Course, of course, why? A la Snow Snow White. Yeah, yeah. why wouldn't it be that way? Um, <laughs> yeah, and you get this really weird thing. Like they've concocted these gems to lock this evil Zeon away, but you couldn't like lock the building. I mean, this thief gets in there and, and takes him, and suddenly releases the evil. And you're like, it's that simple. <laughs> it's, doesn't seem like a very good <laughs> lock for a, an evil. Let's just put them in this cave. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> Nobody will think to come look in here in the place that we say is totally forbidden to go, except if you're the king. 
And right. I don't understand that either. I'm like, why? Like, the guards were like, you can't go here. It's only for the king, unless you're supposed to go there. But, like, how then how did these guys get there? And I mean, obviously, you get the idea they snuck in, but I don't know. Anyway, you'd think you'd guard the ultimate evil a little bit better than that. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying. Yeah, yeah. How about you, Sean? Any thoughts on the story? Well, I thought this story overall to me was not as important as the side stories and the character relationships. Mm -hmm. I think this game was reminiscent to me of uh, the Suicoden games one and two, as far as there being such a large cast of characters and Mm -hmm. some of them don't really have significance at all. (laughs) Like, right. uh, That's true. Many of them have at least some kind of, side story or origin story or some kind of characterization to them that is really interesting for a game that you know this is a sega genesis game and it was giving me you know suikoden vibes from the ps1 era like i'm not an expert on rpgs from the genesis era but i think in that way it might have been a little ahead of its time uh so yeah, the overarching story might be a little cliched, but I liked more the side scenarios and the little side adventures that you would find yourself on, the divergent paths that that you would find yourself in those situations. So mm-hmm. I liked it. Yeah, cool. Yeah, you mentioned the characters, and there's 30 characters that you can obtain in this game. Uh a majority of them are linear, and you don't have to find a lot of these characters. But there's several that you can miss throughout the game. But um, you make a really good point. I feel like they do have like somewhat of a backstory. Some a little longer than others. Like you know, like Peter has a longer backstory than, let's say, like Road or several of the other characters. But it seems like they do take the time and the care to like write these characters into the story besides saying oh well so-and-so is just going to join your party right yeah so there, there are very few instances where you don't know of some sort of backstory or you, you don't save some character and then they end up joining you or there's some event that causes them grief and causes them to join you in your, your quest to defeat Zeon. so yeah that, that's a great point um let's go ahead and talk about the gameplay one of the things I noticed about this game is as soon as you fire it up, it gives you some difficulty options. And I didn't write down what those were. I should have gone back and done that. But this game was pretty challenging. I played it on normal, which is the easiest setting. Actually, there was no easy setting. But there's like, I, I want to say there's like four or five different settings. And uh, wow, I mean, I can't imagine what those would be, what those would be like. I guess... Uh, they're saving those for people like Steven. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I was curious about I kind of read a little bit, and basically, from what I read, like, if you want to play the hardest difficulty level, you have to grind like crazy and basically max your characters out, or you just won't be able to beat the end of the game at all. Uh, you like, And it's probably still you gotta take them. Yeah, you got to take them all now. the way up before you promote them, and then you got to take them all the way up again, or... Just forget about it. You probably got to have the right class of characters too, you know, as you're doing it. Have, you know, to know like who to promote, what to promote, how to promote them, and I guess that's something that we'll, you know, kind of get into in a minute. Um, 
this is a tactical RPG and has tactical mechanics. Unlike some games where you control like an army or a group as one character, you play as individual characters in this game and you control them through the movement of cross like a gridded board. There's different environments that you control them across and uh, you're, you're affected by different environments such as, you know, like grassy areas, mountains and trees and things like that. And basically you control each character in a scenario where you have to fight against enemies. In order to make your characters better, there's a leveling system that's a little odd. Um, it's the same as the first Shining Force game, but uh, I'll let you guys kind of talk about the leveling system in this game. Yeah, I mean, it's a little different than the first Shining Force. Basically, the first Shining Force was you capped your character out, I think, at 20, and they just couldn't mm. grow anymore until you promoted them. And promotion is just like an option. Okay, promote you to the next class. So when you've gotten so far, you can be promoted up to like a new class, uh, which is like a, a mm -hmm. better version, and then you can start leveling again. In this one, that same basic structure is there, except it mm -hmm. won't cap you at 20. You can keep on leveling that job past that and promote at any point that you want to past 20, which, again, kind of bumps your level back down to one, and you can start growing again. But what the way the game treats you, though, is as if you still had that higher level in terms of, like, experience earning. So, for example, if you had gotten to 20 and promoted and were now level 8 of the new job, the game will treat you like you're level 28. And that's right. where you can get in some things, because you could have just gone to 28 and then promoted... And you'll have a higher opportunity later on because you're stacking things on top. Where, as in the first game, when you promoted, your stats would kind of reset to whatever the new job was. In Shining Force 2, mm -hmm. your stats just keep building. So it does give you an incentive to kind of almost max out your first job before you promote. If you want to do a good job at the harder stuff. Yeah, I, I can't remember whether you could do that or not in the first game. I thought you could go past 20 in the first you, game. I don't remember that, but I do before, know when you promote promoting. in the first game, it resets your mm -hmm. stats to the new job. It does. It does. And there's like a level regression. Your characters aren't as strong yeah. as they were, and you, and you have to build them back up again, which is very, very painful. And, you know, one of the kind of the dings on the earlier game. But yeah, I do remember that. It does reset you back and uh, makes for a very, very tough game. Um, and then something else with the leveling system as well is that instead of like a lot of RPGs where you earn experience as a group, <laughs> you actually, in this game, earn it individually. Uh -huh. And God, that's what the problem is, is that it is so easy yeah. for some characters to earn experience like crazy. And other ones is yeah. so hard to get get them experience. Your healers and your casters, it's very very tough to get them. Experience no, no, no. In this game, no, you have them heal every turn. Yeah, even if you don't need it, especially when they get the group spells, then your healers you can just crank them like crazy. Like at the end, like one of my highest character was one of my healers because like every time I would just use the spell that would just. Um, 
I don't remember the name of it now. Boost. boost. Yeah. So I would do the group yeah. boost yeah, yeah. just over and over. And like every time it's like, like 30, 40 experience, every, you know what I mean? Over and over and just got crazy high. <laughs> I'm sorry. The way you just said that. So high. Man. Got crazy high. <laughs> Dude, you have no idea. <laughs> but, uh, Guess made me lose my train. <laughs> now, now, you're, now you're thinking about getting high, healing casters, leveling. Oh, like okay, like let me give you an example. Like there's characters like Luke, the Birdman, who already stinks, and you. It's nearly <laughs> impossible to give him any experience because all he can do is attack one enemy, and he's weak. Yeah. So he's hardly ever going to beat anything. That's weird, though, because I thought Luke was like a tank, man. I He was very powerful in my playthrough. Really? Yeah, even before I... Uh, so I should probably say... Um, <laughs> yeah, you should I, probably say. I think I say. said this on the forum. I, I No, I said this on the forum, right? I turned on cheats halfway through the game because I just was feeling overwhelmed by it and I wanted to finish it, and I, I'll explain that more later, but... Even before I did that, I thought Luke was a tank, man. He he has one attack. It's true. He doesn't have any uh, spells or anything, but it's. I, I thought he was powerful, and he was leveling up a lot, it seemed like. Now, are you thinking about the right character, the Birdman guy with the sword? No, oh, no. What's you're thinking the other? Of, you're thinking of Peter. Yes, I'm sorry. And I'm Peter sorry. is crazy overpowered. Yeah, he's yeah. OP. Okay, yeah, he's so he's insanely right. OP. You're right. Luke is a loser. You're right. <laughs> he is. He's trash. Like the instant I could cycle him out, he was gone. Now, I fell into another trap of reading a guide. And I mean, if you want to play this game for the first time, don't bother with a guide. Just, you know, level up as you go. But I, I was reading a guide that said, make sure you level Slade up. Make sure Slade gets leveled up. Like, I don't know what this, this guy's plan was for Slade, but... I couldn't level him to save my life. I was like planning battles around having him land the final blow on these enemies. and I He was not very good. He couldn't survive most of the battles. So no, he was pretty weak. I stopped using him at a certain point, let alone trying to level him up. He did turn into a ninja eventually, but I mean, he gets like ninja magic, but it wasn't that great. Yeah, I mean, in my game, he, <laughs> he disappeared, basically. <laughs> he hit the caravan. Yeah, exactly. I want at some point, Rich, I want to go through the names of all the characters and I want to, let's just focus on like which ones were just complete trash. There you go. Yeah, we definitely will when we get to the characters section. I mean, I use Slade. I actually leveled him up to the ninja and he's pretty powerful as far as attack, but I couldn't use him in the end game because his defense was so bad. Yeah, I usually had to give him the ring. Yeah, he was really, really hard to keep alive. But I'm kind of the opposite of you guys. I found it hard to level my healers at the beginning. Now... After they're promoted and they get really good spells like boost, yeah, but most of the heals, when you would heal like single characters, you'd get like 10 experience. Where if you're like a melee character or a range character and you're fighting someone and they're kind of a higher level up, then you get like 49 experience per kill. It really, really adds up a lot quicker. If you think about it, though, these, at least for me, like, I would make sure before the battle ran out that every single turn I was healing whether I needed to or not. So all of those tens yeah. kept adding up. Whereas True. a lot of these other characters, yeah. when they get to the point where they're strong enough, they'd hit something and they'd get, like, one experience point with my attackers. 
it was like a guaranteed 10 every time. Right. Well, I, I, I get that, but I guess I'm one of these guys that just really doesn't overheal. You just never know what kind of fight you're going to get right, into. Right, but at the end, like you'd always get down like, oh, I have one guy left. Well, I'll just leave him alive, and I'd burn through my magic or whatever. Yeah, well, it's probably a good strategy. I personally just found it kind of tough to level at first until, you know, I got promoted. We're doing like group heals or group boost and, and stuff like that. It was really easy to level them once you got to that point. This game, as we mentioned, when you get to level 20, you can start promoting characters and, you know, you can level them past that and then start promoting them. But there's a difference between the original Shining Force game and Shining Force 2. And then Shining Force 2 you can do what is considered an exceptional promotion. You can find certain items in the game that will allow you to promote the character to an even, well, quote-unquote, better level. So we mentioned that Lo Burton um, had been playing Shining Force 1 and 2, and she actually commented on our thread, and she had the question for us. She said, which promotional items did y'all find, use, or regret? I, I'm i trying to think. I found the one that made my healer the, like, super Master fighter. Monk? Yeah. Uh, which which was, like, nuts. Like, all of a sudden went from, like, couldn't hardly do anything to I'm going to beat the tar out of everything. Yeah. Um, so I found one of those. Uh, I found mm-hmm. a thing that let one of my... Um, Warriors? Yeah. Did you find the Warrior's yeah, Pride? I clicked on like the shield yeah. thing or whatever, and it made him like into a gladiator mm-hmm. or something. Yeah, which, gladiator's second level. I can't remember what the yeah, whatever, third level it is. It sucked anyway. I never used they Those guys yeah. sucked. Join. You like movies about gladiators? Yeah. And then I found one that... Um, sorcerer? Yeah, that's sorcerer. the one. The Secret Book, I think it's what that's yeah. called. And yeah. that one, man, my sorcerer leveled up fast those summons were awesome yeah sorcerer was was great I, and that's the thing sean mentioned like if you play the game don't use a guide some of the guides would like tell you that sorcerers weren't good that the the second level i think was the wizard the character kazan which is like the first mage you get i kept leveling him up and almost taking him to the end and he was just terrible. i made him my sorcerer and he was good oh you did okay okay yeah, some of the sorcerers that you get toward the end game are really, really awesome. I, like you said, you can uh, summon those elementals. Yeah. Those are great. And the animations for some of those were really cool, too. Like the one where like he summons and you just see all these fists just come down and just <laughs> beat the tar out of these guys. <laughs> like giant fists. It was awesome. Yeah, it reminded me a little of the Final Fantasy games where you could like summon Leviathan, yeah. you know, or these like, you know, different elementals. So I thought that was pretty That was cool. awesome, yeah. I really like that part of it. A lot better than like the normal spells, which kind of just seemed to be eh. Yeah, so I did like this idea of the exceptional promoting. I thought that was like a really cool thing to have in the, you know, the second game to give it a little more pizzazz. The other thing I forgot, you could get the uh, Pegasus wings too, and you could turn your centaurs into uh, Pegasus knights is what it was called, like these flying centaurs. Oh, so it was like the guy yeah, you find in that one battle? That, like, mm-hmm, get mm-hmm. attacked and yeah. you help him out or something? Right, right. It gives you uh, more, like, uh, you know, movement range. Oh, there's an item uh, that so. lets you do that, too? Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. It's called Pegasus uh, Wings. I didn't find that. Yep. It, it's a kind of tough one to find. It's in a castle. Oh, okay. Uh, I actually used a guide and, and found it oh, that cool. way, to be honest. You know, the thing I 
went back and I looked up before I finished the game because like you guys weren't done. I'm like, okay, before I finish the game. So I looked up like where all those like adamantium or whatever it was pieces were. Um, uh, you talking about like the mithril? mithril? That's it. Um, yeah. And I went yeah. back and got a lot of it, but it seemed really kind of pointless to do the whole smithing thing. Yeah. I did like a couple of them. I'm like, this sucks. I'm just not even gonna bother. Yeah, some of the weapons you got out of that weren't. And as I didn't good. need to. It just I could already kill it. I was like, I don't need this. Adamantium. What the hell were you trying to do? Build a Wolverine? <laughs> I, don't, I don't. You know, special metal. I'm just. You know. Sean, I'm interested. I'm interested. No, did you use any uh, sort of promotional items or uh, do any of the uh, mithril smithing for the game? No, you know it's funny. I was not able to get like technical with that kind of stuff at all. And you may remember, again, using these guides kind of tripped me up because I was reading one that was like, "Don't promote this person till you get this. Don't do this till you get this. Don't do that." It was like everything was <laughs> oh. don't, don't, don't. And it's like, what? When do yeah. I get to play the game? You know. Um, that sucks. <laughs> so that's when I was like uh, texting Rich, like, is there any reason not to promote Sarah? And he was like, I don't know, just do it. So <laughs> it's just like, yeah. so that's when I kind of let go. And I like, I understand now what those items do and what the special promotions yeah. are. But while I was playing, I just kind of threw it to the wind and started promoting people. And the smithing, I didn't even touch. So sorry. <laughs> Yeah, I'll admit, I started promoting people at level 20. I, I just, I didn't care, yeah. you know. I, I didn't have to do a lot of grinding. The only grinding I had to do was sort of toward the middle of the game, and, and we'll talk about the bosses later, and uh, and I'll talk about when I had to do that. But I, I didn't do a whole lot of grinding through the second half of the game, and I promoted all my guys at level 20. Now, I lost a good deal of people, in several of my battles, but I don't know. I feel like a lot of my battles are really tight and it made them a lot of fun. It made me think about my movements and what my strategies were because I knew that these fights were like really well balanced because I hadn't grinded so much. You know, there's different ways people play games and I'm not attacking anyone for the way they play games, but my problem with the game was I don't mind grinding. You know, I've, I play a lot of the classic RPGs, and it doesn't bother me at all to grind, but in a tactical RPG, the setup and having to move your characters, you know, it's unlike turn-based, where you just kind of fall into the battle and you fight, and you get experience after the fight. It's over, you move on, find the next one. Grinding in this game is very, very tedious, in my opinion. And, uh, yeah, it's kind of one of my knocks on it is... I kind of felt like with the first Shining Force game, I didn't have to grind at all. But this one, especially toward the middle of the game, I had to do a little bit of grinding, which I wasn't happy about. You know, I've been really spoiled by, like, the Bravely Default series games have an option where you can just <laughs> speed all the battles up really fast. And now, so does this, yeah. so does this Final Fantasy twelve. I love mm-hmm. that option so much. I think it should just be mandatory for every game ever anymore that has any sort of battles that you just need to do mindless grinding in or want to. I think you can do that in this game. I think you can speed it up. This is the option, 
but I think it may be at the beginning of the game. Like, you can set your text to move faster and things to move faster. Yeah, see, I would just love it if it was just an on-off sort of thing. You know, like, right. I just want to grind, so let me just do some battles for a while, and then let me slow it down and just play the game. I know you, it's on the Genesis, you probably couldn't do that, but... Having come from that and having yeah. to go back, sometimes you're like, wow, this is really slow. <laughs> well, and that's the good thing about playing these older RPGs a lot of times is you kind of see, like, the evolution of the RPG. You know, even going from Shining Force 1 to 2, you see these, like, changes that they made and how much better it made the game. I just think it's really cool to see those things. You know, they were kind of listening to people that were playing this game and, and really finding out, you know, what things could make their next game better. It's really cool to go back and really evaluate and look at these and things. And I think it's a little different world, too, where a lot of times back then, I was like, you did, just didn't have as many games that came out. And if mm. you got a game as a kid, you were going to be stuck with that game for quite a while. So <laughs> you wanted to be able to have a lot of stuff you could get out of it or replay value or whatever, you know. So for the time, it makes a lot of sense. Absolutely. So, I mentioned that you can get up to 30 characters in this game, and I can't remember what the number is that you can use at a time. Is it like 15, I want to say? I think that's right. I think you can use like 15 characters at one time. So, when you get more than 15 characters, you have to use what's called a caravan. It's a little caravan that follows you around, and you can go inside of the caravan, and you can store your items, you know, any of your healing items, your mithril, any weapons or anything that you want to keep. And then you can also swap out your characters as well, which is a, a really nice feature that wasn't in the first Shining Force. You could swap out your characters, but you didn't have that sort of on-the-go option, which was, uh, you know, one of the things I liked about the game. Did you guys notice what the caravan was? I couldn't tell. To me, it looked like some kind of, like, giant teapot or something. I what it was it supposed like a, to be? Uh... Like a crab shell or a snail shell. Yeah, that's exactly. It's like a hermit oh. crab. Huh. <laughs> I was kind of looking at my team and it's like, that looks familiar. It's odd looking. What is that? And you, and you kind of see it like kind of crawling and stuff. So it's like this hermit crab, which is just really cool. We'll talk about the graphics later, but, you know, you, you can't really tell. But every once in a while, when you're like kind of going over the water and stuff, you can kind of see it. So, yeah, Duke, it'll be something to go back and kind of look yeah. for. It's, it's really huh. cool. I did want to talk a minute about the items in the game. Did you guys use a lot of the items? I know there's like sort of regular items and, and boost items. And I wanted to know, did you use the regular items, A, and then B, with the boost items, like how did you decide like how to space those out? Not really. I mean, I had used like the healing items early on. Um, yeah. And a few of them here and there, but no, I didn't really use them. Yeah, same here. Just healing items in the rare occasion where the right person was carrying one and wasn't getting healed anyway by all my healers running around healing every single turn. So, Well, how about the boost items? And what I mean by the boost items were these sort of items that you would find like lying around a lot of times that would better your stats, like the, uh, what was the one that cracked me up, the quick yeah, chicken? Yeah. Well, those are like, Permanent buffs. You just yeah. have to equip those, right? You just or use them on your use character. Them? Right. Yeah. Use yeah. them. I think I, you know, put those on certain people. Well, I did learn on that, and this I wanted to look up, and I did, is that the number that you get from it isn't set, and it's based on the random number generator oh, wow. in the game. 
So what you can do is save before you use the item, and the random number generator is seeded from the number of steps you've taken. So load your save up, use the item. If you get a two or a three, load it again, take a step, try it again. If you don't get the four, (laughs) take two steps, try it again. And eventually you'll find the right number of steps where you'll get a four every time you use one of those things. And that's what I did. That's pretty cool. I didn't know that. I didn't know it was random. That's really cool. I mean, you can really overpower your characters by doing Seriously. that. Yeah, for me, I used all of them on my main character. <laughs> I just wanted to have this, like, I, I don't Super know. I, I remember doing this. Yeah, I remember doing the same thing in the original Shining Force. And it, it, the kind of my concept in my head was like, well, I've got this character that it's in game if he dies, which we should mention, right? The, the game is game over if your main character yeah. dies. Your other characters can die, you can resurrect them later, but not Bowie. So I'm kind of like, well, if I can keep this character alive, I can just keep going. So why wouldn't I give everything to him? And that was sort of my thought process and the reason that I used everything on him. And I remember doing that in the original game as well. See, now I gave him like the um, defense stuff because of that, because I'm like, he can't die. So I need to give him the stuff like that makes him stronger, like defense wise. But the other ones I gave to like a lot of the other characters, like the one that lets you go farther, I put that on my healer. Because mm-hmm. I'm like, I want my healer to be able to get anywhere quickly. Yeah, I did that too. I put that on Sarah. So I, I do remember doing that. Um, and I think I used like the attack one on Peter just because he was already so overpowered. <laughs> I was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can't, can't remember what the, uh, was it like the jalapeno or something that made him like go further yeah there was like one of some some kind of item that yeah yeah and the quick chicken like what like basically let them their turn be faster yeah sped up their turn so you know any characters that were slower to react i think it increased i think it's agility maybe is that what made them sounds right i think so so one more thing i want to talk about with gameplay is how you guys felt about the menu system it's a little bare bones and takes a little while to get used to it not Parasite Eve getting used to, but uh, <laughs> it, it does take a little finagling and um, kind of learning it. And then once you learn the normal menu system, you have to learn the system for the caravan as well because it's uh, quite different. So, Sean, uh, what did you think? Yeah, I think the main menu system is pretty easy once you get used to it. It's yeah. mapped to the D-pad. It's kind of like a simpler version of the uh, Secret of Mana wheel thing. It's just right there on the screen, and it's mapped to the D-pad. It's even easier than the wheel thing. So you do have to kind of learn what the things are. And like you said, when you get into the caravan stuff, it's like, uh, I forget. They just use really obscure words that you're like, wait, put? (laughs) What does put mean? Like Depot or something like that. Yeah, like deposit. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So... And under the deposit link, you can deposit or extract. So, yeah, I mean, you, you do have a little bit of a learning curve yeah. there. So you just have to learn. But once you get used to, I mean, the battles especially will just start to flow once you realize, okay, you know, up is attack or left is a spell or whatever it was. I don't remember offhand, but you get just get in a rhythm with that. So I thought it was really good. I, I, I mean, pretty elegant for its time and something different than you know different from a dragon quest or a final fantasy where it's just text in boxes that you scroll through so it's pretty cool 
And I remember the original Shining Force really hating the menu system, being aggravated by it. But then, after putting some time in it, I got really quick at it. Just pressing A to enter input and B to, or, or C, I guess it is, to input on the Genesis controller. And then B to kind of back everything out as, as needed. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, it's one of those things like, uh, for me, especially playing the second game, it's like riding a bike, you know, I was, uh, I was all over. It's pretty easy. Any thoughts on the menu, dude? Yeah, it's just that same Shining system. So if you guys ever play Shining in the Darkness, that's where it came from. It's the same thing. And it is just really very effective because you just memorize this direction means this, this direction means that. And like you said, once you get the hang of it, you can just blow through stuff really quick. It's no no fuss, no muss. Well, one thing I think that's really special about the game is that there's no armor in the game. Well, other than like rings that, you know, there's several rings in the game that provide special abilities that you can actually, you can wear them and they give you special abilities, but you can also use them and they provide um, an extra service as well. Some weapons too. Mm-hmm. Some weapons as well. I know the last sword, which is the uh, the fourth sword, uh, you know, has a special attack on it as well. So it's interesting, you know, a lot of RPGs, you know, you know, not only are you doing armor, but you're doing armor on all parts of the body. Plus, you've got your weapon, right? But this, it's strictly weapon and any type of additional defense or any additional armor is obtained through leveling up, which is it's interesting. It's a, it's a little more of a simplified system that uh, I guess some people would probably dislike it. Some people probably like to, like, really tune up their characters and find all this different gear. But, you know, there's something... To me, at least, I don't know how you guys feel. It's a little comforting to just be able to focus on one thing, like you know, like your weapons in the game. I'm curious, um, like you know, they had the cursed items and weapons and stuff. Did anybody use any of those? Like once I figured out, like some of was cursed, I just got the curse off and I never used it. I don't know if there's any advantages to actually using something that's cursed or not. I didn't really try. Were they called dark something? Not a lot cursed, of them but dark. Oh, always, they were called yeah. cursed as well. Okay, no, no. So. I mean, but they had like yeah. names that let, they were all called yeah, dark. Yeah, that's yeah. what. Yeah, I I think I read somewhere like don't bother. It's just like a curse again, like in Dragon Quest, the curse belt. Uh, you're not going to want to put that on. <laughs> so that there's absolutely no upside. To any I of think it. I sucks. could be wrong, but I think I read something that was just like don't don't do it, and I never look back from there huh well there is an upside okay good um (laughs) (laughs) i I will let you know uh lemon uh you get very late in the game has a cursed sword did you guys realize that his sword was cursed and you automatically swapped it out is that what you did when you got that i mean i always just buy like whatever the best sword is basically Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. well his sword is question marked I don't even remember you, using you look it, at honestly. It. Mm-hmm. So you must have known that it was cursed and swapped it out immediately because of that. For me, it had question marks, which means in this game that it's over 100, right? So that sword hits really, really hard. But a lot of times what it will do also is it misses about, I would say, about 50% of the mm-hmm. time, which sucks. And then it also can drain your hit points oh. a little bit as well, too. So it's sort of a 
Is that sort of a double-edged sword? <laughs> it is. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. And I, and I think, like, to get it removed, you have to have it specially removed. I know, I think in the first game... You have to go to a priest. Um, any curse item. Yeah, you have to go to a priest, yeah. and one of the options is heal or whatever it is. Yeah. So, I, I did use it with him at the end of the game, just because it was doing some really awesome damage. Probably double what the highest weapon I was using at huh. the time was doing. I think it was like a heat axe or something like that. But yeah, um, you know, I gave it a shot and it worked out fairly well for me, even though it, it did miss a few times. Interesting. talk about the characters a little bit we did mention the main character bowie um one of the pretty cool things about this game and something that the shining force series does is they have a very diverse group of races and classes and and by races i mean you've got like centaurs you've got humans you got a rat guy werewolf Birdman. we mentioned the phoenix elves a robot uh a golem vampires so uh, it, it's nice to have that really diverse mix. And among that, you also have different classes. We mentioned melee. You got casters, ranged attacks. You got some tunes that are tanks. And of course, you got your healers. Lo Burton, again, who was following us on Twitter and asked some questions. She wants to know who our favorite characters were and who our least favorite or most worthless characters were. I'll let you start, since you're our guest, dude. My favorite character had to be Peter, because he was just ridiculously powerful. I mean, and I don't, <laughs> get me wrong, I also, I did grind him a little bit before I promoted him. So he was probably in his 30s before I promoted him, but it's just because he kept mauling everything. So I was just like, okay, attack here, attack here, attack, and he just killed everything. I just steamrolled him. So he got really high, and I'm like, well, crap, I guess I might as well promote him. And then he just kept, like, even worse steamrolling everybody. He could move about anywhere, because he could fly, and his defense was mm -hmm. pretty good. Uh, except magic. He, like, really sucked against magic. Yeah. But as long as you took, a, a, you know, a standard fighter to take out the magic guys, he would just beat the tar out of everything. So... He was definitely my favorite, <laughs> and I abused him like crazy, because he was just that good. My dishonorable mention will have to go to Kiwi, because what on oh, Kiwi yeah. does yeah. nothing. What does Kiwi do? It, it takes, like, one damage off things. The good news is, I guess, only takes, like, one damage from everything, but who cares? If there was some kind of, like, item that would force the enemies to attack him instead of the other characters, mm -hmm. like he could cover them somehow, he would be a good character. Mm -hmm. But tanks in this game really can't do anything unless the computer decides to attack them. So it was, he was right. worthless. Just completely worthless. The instant I could trade him out, I did. I never touched him again. 
Did you actually promote? I did him just or? to see what he would do, but I mean, it didn't yeah. matter. I mean, I was like, oh, he kind of turns into this other thing. Oh, I don't care. Yeah, he has some um, random attack too. That's like a, a fire breathing spell that generates every once in a while that does some pretty good damage. But uh, like you said, not worth it. Very, very weak to magic. It was really hard for me to get him to 20, even to promote him. And the instant I promoted him, I literally just like, oh, that's what he looks like now. Never used him again. Well, how about you, Sean? Your favorite and least favorite characters? Well, I got to kind of just agree with Duke on the least favorites. I mean, literally for me, it was the same thing. Although I would add Slade. I know you guys had mixed results with Slade. But for me, Slade and Kiwi were the weakest links. I tried so hard to power them up early in the game and just gave up. (laughs) And uh, Kiwi, if I'm not mistaken, had a really good range of motion. But he couldn't do anything and he was always dying in my game but uh i don't know i really liked i mean this is going to shock you guys and it's going to shock our listeners but i preferred some of the female characters um (laughs) no i'm surprised you didn't have almost an all-female crew that would have been cool but no i i like I actually got a text from yeah. you about one, well, I'm especially. Mention that. I mean, I liked Sarah from the get-go. She's very, just seems like a sweet character. And it's not a love triangle, but there's there's this thing with Chester, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Kind of a romance going on, mm-hmm. but not really. But then I also liked May as a cute character, but also a character I liked in battle because she was powerful and had a good range and was even more... She was one of the characters who I felt the promotion actually did something for my gameplay and wasn't just like some kind of deluxe level up, you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, I'll just reiterate May. She made my list as one of my favorite characters as well. I'd seen some other walkthroughs that were talking about how you would want to switch May out, but uh, she made it to the end game for me. She was a really, really strong ranged character. You could attack from a great distance with her, and she was the only centaur that actually made by end game. to be honest. I thought the centaurs in this game were really yeah, weak. weak sauce. Uh, just yeah. sort of opinion for me. Um Definitely would say Kiwi was probably my least favorite character. And just to kind of go with someone different, Zink, the robot at the end of the game, and Claude the Golem. When you get characters near the end of the game, you think they're going to be like really strong. But Zink hit pretty hard, but his problem was he had no movement. Mm, I never used him. You know, you get some kind of cool characters that then you think they're going to be great. I mean, the end of the first Shining Force game, you get this awesome samurai. Hanzo, I believe is his name, who's just so OP. He's a little more difficult to find. There's kind of a little trick to doing that. I remember that about the game. But he is really OP and, and really, really helps you in your end game. So it's just sort of disappointing to get a golem and a robot, two different races of characters, and for them to be so disappointing and not even in my party for the end game. So I'd probably have to give the thumbs down to those guys. Uh, but another character that I really liked was Taya. Do you remember that character? She's the one that you find after the Matula battle. She's in the shrine. She's like a statue, and uh, you go talk to her, and she joins your party. She's a sorceress. Um, I remember her, but I already had another sorcerer, so I didn't really use her. 
Yeah, me neither. Oh, uh, really? She got really, really strong toward the end game, and uh, she was a really, really valuable character huh. to me. I was not able to promote a sorcerer because I had already promoted my characters before I found that secret book, which I learned how to get in a guide. But um, it was just on a bookshelf, wasn't but, it? Yeah. See, it was, and I was searching all the bookshelves, which is so I'm so weird. OCD on those games. I search everything. I am, too. I have no idea. And and the thing was, is I had just promoted them, too, and it's in the same room as the priest. Oh, no. And so I was like, oh, now I can't You know who that. else was really good in my game is Karna. Karna is like a healer, and she has that boost and oh my gosh. Oh she, yeah. She was the one I was telling you about that was like so high level by the end of my game. It was Mine crazy. too. She was the one I picked out of the four. That's right. I guess that's something we else we could talk about. There's at one point you get to pick from four characters. You get to pick Karna, Tyrion, uh, a mage, Randolph, who's a warrior, and then Eric, the centaur. So um, just curious on who you guys picked. I'm assuming Duke, I you got Karna. Because right? I'm like, yeah, healer. Okay. Ma- or I just like, it's magic. I'll take magic. Yeah, because at that point in the game, you only had like one yeah, healer. And, and you're like struggling to keep up. How about you, Sean? Do you remember who you picked? Yeah, it would have also been Karna, I think, for the same reasons. Or the guide I was reading said to pick Karna. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And eventually you get to go back and pick one of the other people, don't you? You get them all. Oh, you, you end get up getting all. them all. That's right. That's right. Yeah, so it kind of doesn't matter. I mean, it's temporary. You get the temporary benefit of whichever one you pick, and then you end up with all of them. So. And that is Lo Burton's other question. She wants to know, how many optional characters did you find? It might be easier to say, who did you miss picking up in this game? Did you miss anyone? Did you get them all? I'm looking at your list. Uh, I know I did mm-hmm. not get Screech, the Birdman. But I'm pretty sure I got the rest of them. They all look pretty familiar to me. I mean, it's been a couple of weeks since I played, but they all seem familiar. I didn't get Screech, but I did get Zack and AC so Slater. How- <laughs> so how do you get Screech? I don't know then. Does anybody know? Yeah, I don't know either. I'm looking at. I'm actually looking at a character list with the portraits on it to not jog that I my not that I care either, because but... the Birdman sucks. So why would you want another one? But. <laughs> I can tell you how you oh, get okay. Screech. It's in the town where um, Volcanon is. You go out on a ledge after you've spoken to Volcanon, and there is a bird lady out on the ledge, and you talk to her. I think she mentioned something about not being able to find her kid or something like that. You go to the bottom of the castle, and you exit. And if you take a left out, a little bird falls down from the sky. And you go and you talk to the baby bird and you help it find its mom. And then he joins you later on in the game. He's all grown up. I got all the others, but he was the only one I missed. Sheila might have been another one that you missed. She's toward the end of the game behind the monk's monastery where the monks are fighting. I remember getting her because you have to like really figure out a weird way to get around all these bushes. Because you can tell you can go somewhere, but it's not easy to figure out how to get back to where they're. She's the one that's uh, skinny dipping. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's like, uh, yeah, because it's kind of like, oh, hey, what's going on? <laughs> I'm just in a stream hanging out. Those are two of the characters that you can kind of miss. And then Claude, you have to have the golem's arm to get him. So, yeah, there there's several that you could actually miss. Now, I'm game. curious. Can you promote the golem or is he like as good as it gets? 
I think he's as good uh, as I never gets. used him. Yeah. So I think I used like one battle and I'm like, oh, he sucks. Okay, I'm done. Once you start picking up characters later in the game that are past that promotional level. And so that kind of sucks, especially if you found some, uh, you know, special promotional items. So, yeah, like the robot guy, I thought, like, he's kind of crappy. I thought maybe he could be promoted or something into, like, an awesome fighting robot, but I guess that's not the case. Yeah, they're already past the point of promotion, you know, they're on that next tier already. Did you guys ever use the werewolf guy? Oh, yeah, I used him through Endgame. Yeah, I used him quite a bit also. He hit pretty strong, much stronger than a, a lot of the other tunes in the game. His defense wasn't the best, but, you know, I, I just kind of let him stay back and go forward as sort of a finisher and used him in that capacity so that he didn't take the brunt of the hits. I usually save that for my hero, push him up to let him take the brunt of the hits and, you know, get in a few and then have people come in and sort of finish it off or, you know, use range. Peter was such a titan Basically, I just kind of built things around him. So most of my other characters, like, I didn't keep a lot of the standard fighters. I'm like, I want all the ranged guys. I want all the magic users. Because I didn't need anything else. I just fly him around, kill anything. And if it was something that wasn't easy for him to kill, I would just take the ranged guys and peck away at them or something. I use a lot of characters. I use a lot of warriors. Uh, ended with, like, Jaha. Gaian, who was the other warrior that you could pick up late in the game, and then uh, Lemon, of course. So I, I had quite a bit of melee kind of heavy hitters, and I could just throw them in and they could survive a few rounds. I did take Lemon just because uh, he had that weird nice. story about, like, I can't die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, keep trying to kill himself or whatever. Yeah, there was kind of an odd vampire theme going through the game. If you had been possessed by a devil at any time and then had been exercised from your body, you were basically a vampire and you couldn't die, which means the king was a vampire, too, which, you know, never kind of really thought about that. So let's move on from talking about the characters and talk about the enemies and uh, the boss battles a little bit. One of the things about this game, and I can't remember, you may be able to refresh my memory. There were what were called or what I kind of want to refer to as minor bosses. You didn't always have to beat every enemy on the screen to continue on. There was actually one character in each screen that if you would beat that character, it would wipe out the remaining enemies on the screen. And I can't remember if that was in the first game or not. Um, I honestly don't recall that either. Um, But I know there's a few battles where you have to kill everything. But yeah, most of them have that. And sometimes it kind of bothered me because I maybe wanted to grind. And then I would kill a guy. I'm like, oh, I guess you're the leader because they're all done. Yeah, that was kind of a negative for me. I would just rather just taking out everyone on the screen. And then most of the time, Uh, if I could figure out like pretty easily like who was the boss, I would just leave them and kill everybody else first anyway. Because some enemies would drop items. That happened in the first game as well, but not as often as it did in this game, which is one of the things I liked about Shining Force 2 a little bit better was that you could get some random dropped, you know, items and weapons, which which was a, a big, big... That's why I always, like, I want to try to kill everything I can kill. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about the boss battles. I think we got to talk about the Kraken battle. <laughs> that was, like, the first major roadblock in the game. I felt like everything was, like... Clean sailing, you know, I'm like, oh, I'm just going to breeze through this yeah, game. Training wheels. You got to the, the training wheels come off yeah. at the Kraken. 
Yeah, they really do. So, Sean, do you have any issues with the Kraken? What do you think about that? Well, you though? know what's funny? I I got to the Kraken before I, I was playing the game legitimately. This was way before I turned the cheats on. Um, and I got to him before I did that temple thing that you're supposed to do there. Like, I, I oh, like yeah. wandered over to the Kraken way before I was supposed to. And... Uh, it was like the first roadblock I hit in the game, but I ended up beating him on the second yeah. try because all I did was um, I had everybody stay in the center of the dock except for Peter and a couple of my other ranged attackers, and I sent them straight to the head of the Kraken and just unloaded on it, and it worked. I mean, it sounds <laughs> like a goofy strategy. I cheesed it, but it worked, you know, and I was like, oh, okay, cool. Got the crack. And I didn't realize it is like a legit hard boss, like the first hard boss in the game. And that's, it was all downhill from yeah. there. I got to be honest with you. <laughs> and I remember you telling me you were like power leveling and grinding your characters up yeah. for a while at the beginning of the game. So you were probably a lot higher level reaching it than like what Duke yeah, or I would Yeah, I think that's been. what helped me be able to do that for yeah. sure. I, too, missed that shrine that you're talking about and, and went back as I was, like, grinding. We should mention that you could, like, get some random mobs in this game and, you know, rebattle on some screens. But, yeah, I had to do that and grind because I didn't really know about the egress mm. at the time and how you could, like, leave a battle and come back and fight some more. And so once I figured that out, you know, I could definitely grind and fight the Kraken. It's funny, I was playing this battle with my son. And with the Kraken, there's these different types of tentacles. There's two types. Mm -hmm. There's some that only attack one block in front of them. And then there's some that can attack two blocks in front of them. They have an extended and a diagonal reach. And my son actually figured out the difference in the way that the tentacles were shaped and the way that they kind of looked on the screen. He's six. He's like, Dad, he's like... Those are the ones that are attacking diagonally and attacking two spaces. These are the ones that are moving forward. So, you know, I have to give a six-year-old credit <laughs> for figuring something out that I didn't, which was really cool and a pretty awesome, like, gaming moment. But it really changed the construct of the battle because you couldn't have, like, your weaker characters kind of hiding out and pushing your stronger characters to the front to take the brunt of the damage. So it was an interesting fight and the kind of the way it was set up. I, for one, really appreciate that about the game. I like to have these sort of diverse battles. Um, another battle that, that kind of comes to mind was the bridge battle. Oh, yeah. Uh, and you just have to kind of use a specific strategy to cross that bridge. And then toward the end of the game, also the tower, where there's the hidden enemies behind the columns. Unless you've got Peter. Uh, <laughs> that's true. So you have to be kind of careful with like how far you go up because people can attack down on top of you if you move up too far. And so that tower battle, that took me a few tries to get through toward the end. You just needed an OP Peter. I think we need to talk about the chessboard at oh, least. Yeah. I mean, that was a pretty significant boss battle. Really odd, like why are you fighting the chessboard? But nonetheless, it was a battle where you're, you're fighting chess pieces, you know, uh, pawns, you know, bishops, rooks, knights, kings and queens. And if you can actually take out the king, the entire battle ended. And so I think for some people that was sort of a strategy, or maybe not a strategy, but kind of the way things ended up. Um, so I'm curious to hear about you guys' battle on the chessboard. Sean, were you still doing it legit at that point? 
Actually, no, but this is the point where I realized what Rich was saying earlier when you only had to defeat a key member of the opposing party, and it's made pretty obvious. I think they even say, like, you just have to defeat the king and we win kind of thing. Like, it's... Yeah, I think that an NPC tells you that. You're right. After I was kind of clued into that, the battles just became for me uh, getting to that key because I was using a guide where it was like, just kill, you know, the main archer in this position and you're done. So I didn't use a real strategy. I cheated. So (laughs) that's okay. No, I was just curious. No. Yeah. I I was, I was off the reservation by that point, but it was interesting. I, I like the setup for it. It's very weird and spacey. It reminds me like some kind of sixties sci-fi, like, (laughs) you know, like Star Trek episode. Yeah, exactly. I thought that was pretty cool. But yeah, and we love those kind of things in video games, don't we? Like miniaturized, like, oh, yeah. you know, think of the um, Clockwork Knight on the Saturn or like there's some Mario games where you're small or whatever. Like that that kind of stuff is really Chippendales cool. Chippendales Rescue yeah, Rangers. Exactly. Yeah. So. I really, um, I like the battle, but it was a little trickier because I think maybe it was just how the pieces decided to move is how much trouble you had because I had to really mess around to finally get to the king. Whereas like some people are like, Oh no, this king came out and I killed him and I was done. That was me. And I'm like, what? (laughs) I mean, I had to like fight my way through these things. So, I mean, that's it. I mean, it wasn't crazy. I didn't have to kill everything, but I mean, I had to fight. I lost a lot of guys to finally take the king. Yeah. I lost a few guys, but, I think it only had to take out like four or five. See, I just, I think it must be random or something about how the it pieces is. decide to come out. Yeah. The AI on that fight's a little screwy. I, I don't know. You know, with most fights and with the AI, with most of the normal battles, it seems like the one minor boss that you can defeat to take out all the other ones, they kind of get tucked away and kind of run and don't come out at you. Until everyone else has come out at you. It might be because this battle is a lot different than the other ones where like all your characters are spread out like chess pieces at one side of the board. Sure. I'm wondering if it's different depending on which side of the board you advance towards first. Maybe that mm, decides what pattern it's going to go in or something. Because I don't know. Did you go like right up the middle or did you go to the side or? I kept my guys all together and went up the right side. Now I kind of went up the middle. Maybe that's the difference. I don't know. Could be. Who knows? Right. So the Taros fight has a special feature to it. He can only take damage from a certain sword and only Bowie can wield that sword. Of course. And so once you get to him, you have to basically attack with Bowie and everybody else just kind of has to stand back and either just scratch (laughs) their butts or do a little bit of healing. And that's it. That's how that fight goes. I just want to kind of lump all the rest of the fights together, except maybe for, like, the final fight. I don't know. Maybe it's just me, but I felt like the rest of the fights were just sort of melee fights where the bosses just had extra health. I mean, you know, some of them did do some casting. You kind of had to keep it away. But there wasn't anything, like, really special about those other fights. There wasn't, like, a real special setup like there was for, like, the Kraken, the chessboard, or for Taros. I felt like all those were somewhat similar. I remember Odd Eye being kind of tough. He had some special attacks that were pretty tough, but the rest yeah. of them didn't. I mean, they were just like, oh, okay, yeah, beefed up, 
guys. It was kind of funny with like the fight between Camila and Geshp, how they would kind of like back and forth trying to be like the best or whatever. And there was like more dialogue mm-hmm. in between the fights. So that was kind of entertaining to see who could be like the top demon to Zeon or something. And they kind of backed and forth. And as you would beat one, of course, they would come back and whatever. But it was that was entertaining. How about you, Sean? Any kind of fights that kind of stand out to you, like toward the end? Not from a like a gameplay standpoint, but I like the story context of the the Red Baron and discovering that he's yeah. a lemon yeah, and, yeah. and how devastated he is. It's not like super deep, but it's it's deep for the game that it's in. Like how he he mm-hmm. goes into a depression and <laughs> you have to like talk him down. It's pretty pretty neat. It's comical. You have to go to like three towns where he's jumping off the <laughs> yeah, cliff and making true. holes it, it in the like, town. <laughs> it's funny, but there's like a dark context to it. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, oh I, sure, oh, yeah. he's described as having all this right, blood right. all over him from all the people exactly. he's killed. Yeah. yeah, it's kind of bemoaning his fate of of being immortal. Um, yeah. yeah. So, well, let's talk about the Zeon battle. Uh, what do you guys think? Fit final boss or? Not worthy of being a final boss in oh, an man, RPG this, game. This was a final boss, let me tell you. Like, <laughs> dude, Zeon <laughs> was a yeah. punk. Great yeah, look, too. Love I'll, the I'll avatar, you, he was man. Hard to beat. Like, I had to strategize with these like wacky cheats I was using. I it was not easy. So if that tells you anything, I mean, I don't know. And it's one of those battles where you have to beat everything on the screen because they heal the dickens out of them like you can't start on yeah. him until you kill every th- single other thing on the screen so that and that more will keep coming oh wow <laughs> okay i didn't even realize that i must have like made quick work of them at at a certain point you know what i mean yeah there's more bad guys will keep coming it's like you can't concentrate all your fire necessarily right on him but I did find, like, I got, like, right up to one side of him, and I kept one character there that could, like, consistently just keep hitting, mm-hmm. while he sort of just kept killing everyone else pretty well. And that's what finally got it for me, was I had this one character that he kind of ignored that was to the side of his head, and I just kept hacking away while he was really busy attacking, like, some of the other characters. Yeah. I had to use about everyone in that fight. I lost a ton of characters in yeah, that fight. Yeah, he had like this horrible AoE attack. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Vicious. And we should mention that most of the bosses had a double attack, oh, yeah. too. So <laughs> That's where I started raging. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'd be like, oh, you get an extra turn? That's great. You know, like, of course, because why wouldn't you? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, um, I I thought the Xeon battle was a lot of fun. It was great. And like I said, I promoted all my characters at level 20. So I didn't do a whole lot of grinding after that. So it was very, very challenging. You know, I just kind of got by on the skin of my teeth. Uh, which to me, that's a great feeling. I, I always love just kind of eking out that victory. You know, I feel like some people like to build their characters up and just, you know, grind so much and wipe it out. And that's, that's cool. I mean, if that's the way you like to play a game, that's fine. But to me, it, it just feels so good just to sort of barely eke out that victory. Just like I was playing, you know, something that wasn't an RPG, like, you know, like a Mega Man game or, you know, any type of action platformer. When you just sort of eke out that victory against the final boss, I think that's like one of the best feelings um, in gaming, at least for me. 
Um, yeah, I mean, even my super Peter couldn't, uh, <laughs> pull, pull out the win, um, uh, on that one. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Let me timestamp that. It's <laughs> a show title right there. But yeah, I mean, that's like you, I just had to like throw everything. I just got lucky enough that he left this one guy alone and just kept raging against everything else. So that's what finally let me wear him down. I don't even remember what character it was, but I just had one tucked up there that he didn't seem to care about. So it's fine. I got to mention one thing that I thought was really cool and funny, but it definitely happened in the final boss, but it might have happened earlier in the game. And I just don't remember the characters that have laser attacks that shoot through absolutely everything on the map, including oh, their their yeah. friendly character, like they're damaging their side as well. It's it's so like those flower cool. things. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah. The laser just goes through everything doing damage. And it's it's funny and awesome. I thought I'd mention that. <laughs> they shoot down like your super plain bird thing that one time you get it for like five minutes oh we finally got this thing oh, let's yeah. fly it across yeah. oh, okay got blown up we're done yeah that like crop circle thing that comes out of the ground yeah how weird was that yeah. like nazca line kind of thing yeah. right and you're like that's an odd thing to have in here and oh it's really a secret ancient ship that is going to get blown up instantly just really weird so it mentioned the Xenon battle as the final battle, but it's not really the final battle in the game. Did you guys play the secret end battle? Yeah, for about a minute. <laughs> it's really kind of like a victory lap, isn't it? Uh, kind of. I mean, I ended it up with only Bowie and uh, Karna. Oh, really? Yeah. So what what I was doing at the end, it was so close at the end, because like I said, I mean, I promoted it 20. I would go in and hit him. And then he would, like, hit me twice, and then I would pull out of his AoE range, because he's stationary. He will not right. chase you. And then she would heal me, and I'd go oh, back wow. in. <laughs> so I had to do that, like, four or five times before I finally uh, finished him off. See, that's fine. I just had Peter take out all the wussies, and then just kind of uh, did the same sort of thing I did before with Zeon. I tucked a guy up next to yeah. his head, and he didn't seem to care, so... He just kept attacking all the other people. I'm like, okay, you're dead. I'm going to guess with the cheat codes, this was pretty easy, Sean. No, actually, again, I wasn't... I didn't try too hard because I felt like after Xeon and once the credits rolled, I was like, I'm done with this game. But then when this popped up, I was like, oh, this is really cool. And I just kind of started. And I mean, I don't want to make the game unplayably boring by using cheats i just wanted to get through it faster so maybe i wasn't smart enough about what i was doing maybe i got careless but i failed enough in this battle that i just didn't want to do it so like oh, okay. what happens when when you beat it do you get like a super special ending cutscene no. or it just says game over no, okay nothing. okay yeah it does it literally does That's just it. say game cool. over. i mean it just stops the, for the screen freezes and it says game over I guess I made the right decision. Then. <laughs> it's kind of like just a bonus. Like, yeah, oh, no, hey, it's here. Little, I would call it an Easter egg, maybe. I thought it was, yeah. it was cool. A lot of the older bosses are so weak by the time you get there, though. Like, all the old bosses like go down like really fast. Mm -hmm. Especially if you've got a super Peter. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so let's move on to the graphics. 
I think this game does like a great job with the character portraits. I think are beautiful. This game um, is gorgeous. The sprites are cool too. I love the fact that when you get promoted, your sprites actually change. Not only your map sprites, but your battle sprites. And the music changes, uh, too. Change, too. Yep. And I love that no matter where you're fighting, they all have, like, their unique background. And, like, even, like, some of those later levels, like, there's the one with, like, all the ghosty-looking things and everything for the walls. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Like, every area has their own backgrounds, and it's, they're really well done. Yeah. I think, as we mentioned in the original Shining Force episode, the battle animations are really, really awesome, too. The way they swing their swords. You know, even your weapon changes as you get a new weapon. Uh, There's, like, a really nice attention to detail in this game, and they could have just mailed it in and not, you know, made these updates. But, like I said, there's different ways people attack when they get promoted as well. Again, you can just tell a lot of love was put in this game, and it's really, really neat. One of the things that's a favorite about this series that I love is the whole intro sequence and how they always do it. It's always like there's this character, oh, hey, welcome, and you get this whole thing, and then they interacting with you. So it's not just like, oh, pick, save one. I mean, you have like this whole thing that goes along, and each of the games do that. And this is one of those games I think is an example of, I don't want to hear anybody say that Super Nintendo graphics are so much better than Genesis graphics. Because just play games like this and you're going to go, no, this is gorgeous. Yeah, it's a beautiful, beautiful game. I did want to talk for a second graphically about reskins. There are some reskins for the enemies, like most RPGs. But it's not overdone. I mean, even at the final battle, you're getting a new character. I think it was like Zeon's Guards or something like that. So you're constantly getting new enemies, which is awesome. And even if they do have a different color skin on them, usually they have a different type of attack, which in a lot of games, you don't see that. They just kind of mail it in, same attacks, increased hit points, and that's it, right? I thought they did a really good job. Yes, there are mob reskins, but it didn't affect the gameplay to me. I was never bored with the variety of enemies I was getting in this game. Yeah, I mean, you know, at the time, you have to think about how much ROM space cost, and so you just weren't going to get... You had to have reskins to some degree. But yeah, I think they didn't abuse it. You know, it wasn't like a lot of games where you'd be like, oh, it's Demon 1 and Demon 2 and Demon 3, you know? (laughs) You had a few of those, but they weren't enough to where you're like, okay, here we go again. Like you said, you never knew what they were going to throw at you, even if they looked pretty similar. from graphics, I want to move on to music and sound in the game. Um, the person who did the music and sound was Motoaki Takanuchi. I don't know about you guys. 
I loved the music in this game. I had my headphones plugged into the Genesis port the whole time, and it's great. And like the stereo separation was really good on a lot of it. It was fantastic. And again, people that say Genesis sound sucks and Super Nintendo's awesome, no, you're just playing the wrong games. That's all there is to it. Yeah, I agree. The music was awesome. The one thing I didn't like was how when you're in a battle, you get the the battle music, and then when you go to do your attack, it changes, and then it changes back to the battle music. I thought that it could have transitioned better. You guys realize what I'm talking yeah. about? I mean, some of the tracks did become a little repetitious after a while, like the main, like, yeah. you know, the, you know, like for every, you know, zone you're in, when you're on the map screen after a while, you're like, okay, I got this, but. Yeah, there were a couple times where the music should have been dramatic, but it was just playing like the happy overworld theme. There was a scene with Higgins. I can't remember exactly the the context but uh yeah it should have been like very dramatic and devastating and just the normal overworld music was playing and i was like oh they kind of could have scored this a little bit better it would have been more effective but those two things are the only complaints i have about the music otherwise it's just amazing yeah i kind of had an opposite experience from what you guys had it sounds like i didn't really care for the music in this game now after saying that Let me just kind of make you understand where I'm coming from here. I thought that there was a lot of repetition of music in the game. A lot of music was overused in certain parts. You know, like the Outworld theme, it was like the same through the entire game. It did not change when you went from continent to continent. The battle music was the same. And that's mainly what you're doing the entire game. All the town music pretty much was the same. And so I felt like I was getting too much of the same music all the time. Today, when I was going back to listen to the music for recording tonight, I actually realized that I really love about 75% in the music of this game, which is a good number. It's a high number. You know, if you love 75% of the tracks in the game, you should be very satisfied, right? So I felt like the good tracks were sort of underused and they kind of got washed out by the repetition of some of the worst tracks in the game, if that makes sense. I felt like the town theme was like way too peppy and similar for like the castle theme. I I like the Elven Town music. I thought it was much better. But all in all, there were some really, really great tracks in this game. And some of my favorites were uh, Matula Shrine. Uh, There's another track called Water Goddess Matula, Zeon's theme, and the final battle. I thought the music in the final battle was just incredible. And I'm not dogging this music. I'm not saying that this music was not good. This game has fantastic music. And I love the majority of it. But I just thought some pieces were way overused and probably could have been broken up a little bit per area to kind of change it up and, and give it a little more variety. But that's that's my only knock. But, I, you know, if someone were saying, like, we're putting out a vinyl of Shining Force 2, I'd buy it, <laughs> of course, you know. Because I think, like, a majority of the music in this game is wonderful. Yeah, I, I mean, I'll agree with you that I wish there were some more tracks. There's not a lot of tracks. So I think, yeah, when you're playing the game, you are exposed to them a lot. I'm guessing that if you just sat and listened to them and you never weren't forced to be exposed to them as much as you were, it, you might feel a little different. Yeah. But, you know, they were still catchy enough. I enjoyed them. So. Yeah. 
Well, it's that time, guys. Time to get into our final thoughts of the game. I did want to mention some of the differences between Shining Force and Shining Force 2. One of the things that just kind of cracked me up was the chest. In Shining Force 2, you're able to push up against the chest so you you know something concrete is there. Where in the first game, you could kind of move on top of it and you didn't even (laughs) sometimes realize. I remember one of our uh, players in the first round, uh, Shaggy, didn't realize that those were chests and had missed a lot of items in playing that game. So this game was more non-linear. Um, then the first game, you could do a little bit of backtracking in this game to find some extra characters, especially once you got to the end of the game. It's a little more free roaming, a little more open world, whereas the first game is kind of like you go from fight to fight, and it's a very linear game. We mentioned the exceptional promotions in the second game that weren't around in the first game. And this game also had weapon upgrade analysis. In the first game... You couldn't tell like if a weapon was better <laughs> oh, than another weapon. That. There was no way to analyze that. Uh, but then with this game, that was something that they added, which I thought was really cool. Another thing that was different was that in the first game, if you tried to pick up an item and your bag was full, it wouldn't just move on to the next character and go in their <laughs> bag. You just would not be able to pick it up. Or in some instances, if you had killed a boss with a character and your bag was full and they dropped a weapon <laughs> item, you wouldn't get that sucked, item. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it really sucked. The evasion rate was lowered in this game. I remember in the last game, you would fight these chimeras near the end of the game, and they would just evade your attacks like crazy. And so that was definitely lowered for this game. Uh, there was a lot more hitting, which was very nice. The original game was a lot darker, and this game was more uh, had a lot of war- more warm colors, and the characters... Sprites were, uh, the portraits especially, were more cartoony. Yeah. And uh, from what I remember, there weren't any random encounters in the first game. Yeah, I think it was all just the progression in the first one. Yeah, so uh, those are some of the uh, main differences. Some of them we had already talked about, but I just wanted to sort of bring that up. Sean, I did want to mention you had sent me a text talking about feeling a little overwhelmed with this game, and I just wanted to get you to sort of clarify that and tell me like what your thoughts yeah, were. Yeah, sure. On that. I mean, I talked a little bit about on the forum. It, it, it just has a lot to do with, um, you know, doing a game for a playthrough in one month and having to do the yeah. podcast. And I love this game, and I'm going to, my final thought is going to be highly favorative, but I started out really high on the game. Like you said, I was power grinding like crazy, just playing the hell out of this game with all my heart. But um, I just got to a point where I kind of realized that I was really just spinning my wheels and doing these same battles. A lot of the battles are so similar that. Mm -hmm. I kind of just got into this like trance of like, oh my God, I'm going to be playing this game forever, like hardcore. (laughs) Um, So I would say I just wish that I had played the game. I should have done what Steven is doing and just take my time with it and just say, forget about finishing it in time for the podcast. But then what probably would have happened is we'd record this and I'd stop playing it altogether. So I'm kind of glad I did what I did, but it was just because I felt like, oh my God, like I'm not even halfway through this game and I've done so much work to get where I am. I'm going to have to do something or I'm never even going to finish it in time or finish it at all. 
So that's the choice I made. So Yeah, I, I think if you had known that the difficulty and the grinding kind of tapers yeah. off toward the middle, maybe you would have, you know, kind of stuck with it without using the cheats. But I understand what you're saying. I mean, there's a lot of like for us to finish these games, sometimes, you know, you get to a point you're like, Am I gonna actually finish this? There's like yeah. anxiety, you know? I mean, I was worried about it for this game and especially was worried about it with uh, Enslaved because, you know, playing it on the normal level and not being a great modern gamer, I was like, oh my gosh, am I going to actually beat this game? I just don't know if I can pull this out or not. I, I was, you know, really anxious about that and, and, you know, it upset me. So I can understand, you know, why you would, uh, you know, make yeah. that move. And I think it's, uh, you know, there's something about it being the two of us now that it feels like there's more responsibility where in the past where, you know, it used to be four of us doing games and yeah, we had modern and, and retro going at once, but I mean, there were lots of games I didn't finish folklore. I got stuck on a boss and I said, screw this. I'm not playing anymore. <laughs> like, you know, it, I didn't take it that lightly, but I mean, you know, there are many games in our repertoire that one or the other of us hasn't finished, but it's getting, I, I think it's, it would be harder for one of us to get away with that at this point. So I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm just putting too much pressure on myself and you. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, it's just the two of us, but uh, we could make it if we tried. <laughs> no, I've got a lot of respect for you guys. There's no way I could ever commit myself to finishing a game a month. I don't care what it was. Um, I just would not have the patience, I don't think. Um, I go in spurts and fits, and when I have time, I cram it in, and when I don't, I don't. Um, and like some of these games that you guys play, I'm just like, yeah, I just know. I just won't finish it so i'm just not even <laughs> gonna put my hat in the ring it's just not my thing and you guys have to do them all so you know hats off to you i wouldn't be able to do that well i mean that's that's sort of the thing too is i understand that some of our members might get a little frustrated about our picks because they've recommended things that they really want to play but uh when we look at things we really have to Choose games that we know we really want to play and also that we really want to put the time and effort into to finish. Oh, yeah. So it's um, it's a tough choice, you know, going from month to month and something that I think both of us put a lot of thought into, um, you know, especially the factor of do we really want to play this game? Because ultimately, everyone else can take a month off if they want to. We can't. So, you know, uh, I hate to say it, but people are kind of at the mercy of, you know, what the two of us decided we want to play. But if we're to continue doing this, and like I said, I mean, this is our 40th episode, yeah. but it's actually our 43rd episode because we did two side episodes and we did an episode zero. I mean, you think about that. That's 41 months of continuous playing. And that doesn't even count the months we spent before we started doing the podcast. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we've been doing this for a long time, and uh, it's a great effort. I enjoy it. I love it because it makes me set aside time to game, which I wouldn't do for myself if I didn't do this podcast. I know I wouldn't, you know? I mean, I give you guys heck uh, with the Dark Souls stuff, but I want you guys to always understand I'm always joking when I do that. <laughs> but, I mean, I totally get it because I'm serious. <laughs> if somebody looked at me and said, Chris, other people are going to determine what game you play every month. I would be, no, 
I'm not doing that. <laughs> I mean, there's no way. I mean, if, if, if anybody stops and thinks about that, no one would want to sign up for that. Well, we do have one. His name's Dougley007. <laughs> All, right. All right, Doug, well, listen. And he's an awesome listen, dude. dude. You're cool, but if you feel that way so much, let me pick the games you're going to play next year every month, and you'll maybe see how that works. I mean, you guys have to pick something that you'll play. I mean... It's just not fair. It's just, you would burn out and it would just end. And that would be it. I'm not quite there yet. So, still having a lot of fun with yeah. it. So, getting back to Shining Force for a minute, I just wanted to mention too, I spent a few minutes looking at, um, I don't know if you guys have ever checked out this website, but it's the Cutting Room Floor. Uh, no. It's a great website. I would highly recommend you guys take a look at it. Um, just Google the Cutting Room Floor and then whatever game. But, um, what they do is they take the ROMs from these games or, or the discs or whatever, and they look at all the content that's there that's not actually used in the game. So there's all of this stuff that's usually left over that just didn't quite make it or it's stuff they just left in from when they were developing it or hidden text in the mm. code or whatever. In this game, there's a lot that's really stuff that's in the ROM that really didn't get used. There's like a lot of text that's in there. There's some optional, like, items and spell things and animations that weren't used. Um, and the big thing being that whenever they localized this, they really messed up. Because in the Japanese version, you may have noticed, like, in the few of the battles, did you ever notice, like, in some of them, there are chests and places in the battle? Yes. Yeah, yeah that you can't yeah. get. And even some off in the islands that you can't Yeah, because there's get. no way in a battle to open a chest. Except right. in the Japanese version, where you can open chests during the battle. And you could in the original right. Force. So, those have things in them. <laughs> and and the Japanese version, you can get the items out of them. But in the U.S. version, mm -hmm. they didn't put the option to search in the battle. So, too bad. You know, that's, that's it. They're inaccessible. Yeah. Which is a shame. But they've got, like, patches, either for the English version, or you can always play the Japanese version if you really want to get those items and check them out. But, yeah, I would encourage you to take a look. It's kind of cool. Well, it's that time. Let's uh, get some final thoughts on the game. Um, Sean, want to start with you? Yeah, sure. I mean, I was excited to play this game because uh, strategy RPGs are not really something I'm super familiar with. I've only really played uh, the modern Fire Emblem games and another game called Rhapsody, a musical adventure on PlayStation 1, which is... Oh, yeah. One of my favorite games, it has like the most, most basic strategy battles to it. So that that's a good like starter strategy RPG. But um, yeah, so that those two franchises are all I've ever tried. So I was ex excited to try a different game and one that's so highly regarded. And like I said, I liked it a lot. I just wish I wasn't playing it on a schedule. Like, that's what I would recommend. Play this game, but please don't play it on a schedule. Give yourself three months to play it or four months and just take your time with it. And, uh, you know, yeah. grind up as much as you want to grind. Play until you're comfortable. Use the egress grinding trick. You know, just grind and bounce and then go back into the battle. And uh, you can make yourself strong without progressing the story. And I would also note, we, we didn't talk too much about Camelot as a developer, but they 
have a hell of a good uh, resume. So yes, they do. For anybody who doesn't know, like they made all the Shining universe games uh, that we were talking, most of them, uh, not the bad ones. Uh, but, <laughs> <laughs> but they also made, if, if, if you're familiar with the Mario sports games, like the later ones on the Game Boy Advance and some of the ones on the, on the Wii and, and GameCube, the ones on the Game Boy Advance, like Mario Golf and Mario Tennis are RPGs. And a lot of people don't realize that. And they also made the Golden Sun games. So if you're familiar with any of those, you might be familiar with some of the, the aspects of the game development. But if you're not, and you've played Shining Force, now you can look into some of their other works as a developer. Everything we talked about, like graphics-wise, and I mean, this game is just top-notch quality all around. Um, you know, I just kind of experienced it in a way that was not ideal for me at this time. Maybe I'll go and play the third one. Uh, I don't think I'll go back to the first one, but I would probably play a different game in the series for sure. Uh, I think you should go back and play the first one. I think you would really enjoy it. It's a great game. And just, just take your yeah, time. Maybe maybe I'll do, like you mentioned, Low Burton playing it on a, on a phone. I might do that. <laughs> you're not going to believe this but i have emulators on my phone and uh <laughs> oh i believe it no i believe it so that might be you know something i you know do that on the side i have been playing some games on my phone and it's a different kind of experience because you could do it anywhere anytime you know so like you mm-hmm. with a nomad <laughs> oh yeah I love that, man. It's such a great experience. It was so wonderful. When I put it together when I was going on vacation, I'm like, I need to finish more of this game before I go on vacation. And I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> the save is on the cart. I just need $60 in batteries. I can play this in my yeah. note. <laughs> That's right. It, literally two and a half hours is all I got out of six batteries That's on the awesome. way down there. So uh, luckily I have the uh, the wall adapter. Yeah, you need to, you need to get the phone. <laughs> I mean, the one for the car. Cigarette chapter two. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, all right. Well, let's get final thoughts from Super. Pe- <laughs> I mean, Duke. Oh, <laughs> uh, um, I love these games. Um, I have for a long time, and I would encourage you know maybe in the future do one of these again. I don't know what your thoughts are. Maybe if I were going to arrange your schedule, maybe take a game like this and spread it out over a few months and then to keep the monthly thing rolling, maybe you can do some really like short indie games or something to kind of have a two-sided discussion. Cuz I see like you have a month like this one where I'm I haven't played it, but Journey like people are finishing that like in a night. <laughs> you know I mean, so maybe you could do yeah. something like that and then space some of these games so you don't burn out or kill yourself or or never ever want to do one of these again, you know. Or we could just um, you know, do a side cast or just talk about pickups and stuff since uh we basically spent like an hour and a half. Yeah, that's what doing that that would You're be a full find show. a problem when you invite me on a show, they tend to get really long and I you know. But no, I love this. I would love to um if you guys ever want to do a uh the game gear or the Sega CD or three or whatever, I'm down. Um, or even if you want to do Shining in the Darkness. I am interested in the Sega CD version, so maybe that would be one that I would play. Easy to burn a copy. It's already on my SD card. <laughs> <laughs> a little harder for us people on hardware because you have to have the backup RAM card if you want to get 
all the stuff that carries over. But they make third party. You can buy like third party RAM carts. So, you know, if you want to do that, you can. All right. So I guess it's time for my final thoughts on the game. Um, as most of you know, um, the first Shining Force game that we played a few years ago was my introduction to tactical RPGs. And if you remember our list that we do every December, we go and talk about what our favorite game was for the year. Uh, Shining Force was at the top of my list. I loved, loved that game. Just fell in love with it the first time I played it. Um, I'll probably take some flack for this comment. I think most people feel that Shining Force 2 is the better of the two games when comparing them. I think both games are great. I love them both. But for me, I enjoyed my playthrough of the original more than I enjoyed the second one. And I don't know if that's because it was such a new experience, and I think that probably has a lot to do with it. But I just felt that the first game being more linear and really not having to grind was uh, a more appealing playthrough for me. I thought this one was a little longer and took a, a little longer time for me to get through and was a little more tedious. I love the upgrades. They're in Shining Force 2. I think they're well implemented, well done. Like I said, I feel like the developers really thought about what they were doing with this game to make the second one better than the first. And, you know, I have to really, really applaud that. And, you know, some of these things are things that are still in RPGs now. But um, as far as Shining Force 2 goes, it stands on its own well. It's got a great story. It's a great game. You don't have to play any of the other games to enjoy this game. And, uh, you know, I think it's a fantastic offering if you have a Sega Genesis. And if you love RPGs, um, I think you have to have this in your collection. I know that the Super Nintendo gets praised for its RPGs over the Sega Genesis as far as things it does well. But I think the Shining Force series as a whole holds its own against the best RPGs on the Super Nintendo system. And that's just my final thoughts on the game. Here, here. So, August. If you're not already playing in August, I'm sorry because by the time this comes out, we're at the almost four-hour mark. Uh, <laughs> this will be at the end of the month because this is going to take quite some time to edit. But our August playthrough is actually with our friends at the Cartridge Club. We are playing Journey. And really excited to play this game with them. Not only is it a very short game, which is going to be a nice breath of fresh air after playing Shining Force 2, but it's a game that has, from what I understand, a very high emotional appeal and has a really nice aesthetic and artistic design. And I'm really excited about doing that. And we're actually joining P1 and P2 from Cartridge Club, plus one of the guys from the Polykill podcast, to discuss Journey. So it'll be a good time for their site and our site to kind of get together. We just wanted to kind of reach out to those guys. Um, Duke, you and I especially are really good friends with all the guys from the Cartridge Club on, Great on Twitter. and gotten to know them over the years, and they basically do the same thing that we do. You know, they do a playthrough every month. Now they're doing a uh, console playthrough and a handheld playthrough, which they started two months ago. Just a great group of guys and girls, and uh, a lot of them have started to come onto our site and uh, just really, really excited to kind of come together and, uh, you know, do a podcast together with them. It's going to be a really exciting August, and uh, I know uh, many of our members are going to be looking forward to that podcast. 
since we already announced it, I wanted to get Sean to uh, just mention what he's picked for September. Yeah, so in September, we're going to play a game that uh, once upon a time we thought would never come out. And since we already (laughs) have played both Eco and Shadow of the Colossus, I thought it would be appropriate that we play The Last Guardian and... Since it came out, Rich and I have been talking about it. It was pretty much inevitable. And uh, mm-hmm. now that Rich has a PS4, uh, he's going to he's gonna have to hook it Woo. up to play this game. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so we both have PS4s now. We're ready for The Last Guardian. So we'll be playing that in September. And I can't wait. I got to get a copy of it. But uh, I was listening to a podcast that I won't say the name of it, but they were arguing over The Last Guardian. And the one guy was saying you tell the animal what to do and it doesn't listen to you. And I'm like screaming at my radio, like that's the point of the game. <laughs> like, yeah. Have you ever owned yeah. an effing animal? This isn't freaking Forza <laughs> Motorsport. It's not a car. Like, so that kind of stuff when I hear about it, like it's, that's what I want out of that game. It makes me really excited to play it. So yeah, Last Guardian in September. So be there. Very cool. I'm excited. I'm put my uh, modern game skills to the test once again. Um, as you know, Shadow of the Colossus is my favorite game of all time. So this pick is uh, really exciting to me. When you mentioned it, I was like, hell yeah, let's do that. That'd be great. So, well, thanks again, Duke, for joining us. We really appreciate you coming on this podcast. Hopefully we can have you again Absolutely. in the future. And, uh, you know, hopefully we'll be hearing some stuff from the Collector Cast again, too. Hope you guys can get together and put together some more episodes because, uh, I know I speak for a lot of people saying that we, you know, really miss hearing you guys on the air and know a lot of people really, really enjoy that podcast. I appreciate that. Um, if nothing else, I would really encourage everybody, if there's any way you can make it out, Retro World Expo is in October. I believe it's the 15th and 16th, if my brain is working correctly. Yeah. Uh, Second weekend. Yeah. Yeah. That's so right. It's two day event to Connecticut and see the show. It's an awesome game show. Come hang out with a lot of us and the crew. You can say hi. Uh, you can buy some stuff. They're gonna have a lot of vendors. They're gonna have arcades, pinballs. They're gonna have panels, music, live music. They have cosplay shows. Uh, you name it. It's it's a great time. Uh, it's a great weekend. And um, if you're really crazy, I just found out. Nintendo World Championships is going to be the weekend before that, so you could do the whole yep. shebang if you wanted to invest like a whole week of your of your life on vacation. But uh, yeah, no, come out and see us. I would love to see people. I would love to say hi, and uh, who knows what's up the sleeves. I'm not against restarting the show. Maybe if we can arrange something to do with editing at some point in time, I would love to do it again. Very cool, man. Well, just want to say thanks to all our listeners and thanks to all of our participants for joining us in our monthly playthroughs. And until next month.
And that's going to do it for another episode. Thanks again for listening, and thank you to everyone who participated in the playthrough and joined us on the forum at RF Generation. Also, a big thank you to Duke Togo for returning to the show this month. Next month, we'll be teaming up with our friends at the Cartridge Club for an amazing crossover playthrough on both their site and ours of the seminal indie title, Journey, for the PlayStation 3 and PlayStation 4. Follow all the action at rfgeneration.com, cartridgeclub.org, as well as on Twitter by following at rfgplaycast and at cartridgeclubna. Thank you as always for listening, and we'll see you next time on the RF Generation Playcast. Meat.